When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I would let my children go. Absolutely not. If I felt that they weren't safe. There's just a circle in all over this. Surely an energy director has to look at these price rises and say, are these justified? You take the kids, we'll take the bags. The kindness in her words. Do you know what I felt? The tears flow. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Yeah, Pancake Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday. I said this morning to someone what my favourite pancake filling is. I was a late developer to pancakes. I could never touch them. Much as I love eggs, and I do love eggs, I could never touch pancakes until someone introduced me to savoury rather than sweet. You can keep your strawberries, you can keep your fresh cream, you can keep, they're all lovely things. For me, my pancake of choice has chicken curry in it. I kid you not, chicken curry wrapped in a pancake is the most gorgeous thing that you ever ate. And I know it probably turns me into some kind of a pervert and I should be under guard the supervision for that, but that's, that's what I like, chicken curry in a pancake. Yeah, I know I'm probably demented. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Text to WhatsApp is 0833 96 96 96. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. You may remember that last August, last summer, I visited a family in Ballancolic who were going through their own troubles and they were doing their level best to get care for dad and I've spoken to them a few times since after that home visit that I paid and we have got such wonderful news this morning from the Walsh family uh, I will catch up with them again in a wee while something else yesterday do you remember we were on to the guy at the press office about Douglas and the scenes epic scenes or dramatic scenes rather in Douglas on Sunday evening where one particular business the Oak Fire Pizza closed and locked its doors in fear of what was going on outside with guard the cars and fellas being chased down alleyways and all of this. We got onto the guard the press office that time and they said, oh no, uh, we've searched our system and there's no report matching your query at this time. Remember that yesterday? Yeah, we learned more from D, our caller from Douglas. We learned more from D in a minute and a half than we can get the whole night from the guard the press office. Now, last night, on the north side, something shortly after 7, 
we got reports of fireworks going off and people saying there was a gang of teens crowding around Kilmore Road and Churchfield. One person said that a road had been blocked by traffic uh, on Kilmore Road. Another said a bike, a scrambler bike, I think, or some kind of a thing had been had been burnt. We got on to Garda Press and we got the same, the same. I've carried out a search of our system and I can't find any report matching a query at this time. So they didn't know anything about what happened in Douglas on Sunday. And they don't know anything about what happened in Kilmore Road, Churchfield area last evening. They don't, but like I said, D filled us in on Douglas yesterday. And then we got this. Uh, it was like a scene from Dublin months ago. Half seven last night. I was out for a walk going between Lidl and Apple. My God, there was a crowd of hundreds of teens from Churchfield up to the meadows. There was fireworks going off. A road blocked at the traffic islands, Kilmore Road. There was loads of guards and an ambulance. There was a burnt out motorbike as you turned towards St. Vincent's Club. Someone's hard-earned bike, probably stolen, just torched after racing it up and down. It's all over Snapchat. What a carry-on. Very sad for people living up there tonight. It was just so scary to witness the poor guards' time all tied up with this as well. I'm ashamed to see people supporting it, and they were. I'd not like to be a guard up there. 20 guards against hundreds of teens in groups and cars taunting them. It was disgusting. That's an eyewitness report. From last evening, who mentions, and the eyewitness mentions guards up there, as they would be, as you'd imagine, if there's that kind of trouble going on. And yet, for the second day in a row, the guy at the press office has no record of it. They've no record of Douglas on Sunday evening, when there was at least two guarded cars and armed response units and businesses locking their doors in fear of what was going on outside. And the guy at the press office had no record of anything. And then last night, as I've just read for you what was going on, motorbike been burnt out, huge crowds on the road, traffic blocked, pictures and videos all over Snapchat. No record in the guy at the press office. No <sighs> wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's kind of a follow on from an ongoing discussion that began Friday with uh, Jacinta, and then the Lord Mayor. Um, Deirdre Ford gave her tuppence worth to Virgin Media and subsequently to other media, including ourselves here, to, about how she personally doesn't feel safe in some parts of the city. She, she didn't name those places because she didn't want to stigmatise them. But as she said, you, you don't need to be a genius to work out where they are. We got calls yesterday from people who don't feel safe, from people who don't go to town anymore, from people who don't want their kids to go to town anymore. And regardless of what anybody says, our town, our city, many towns and villages around our county appear to be becoming pretty close to no-go areas, especially for women. And it's very, very sad to see. And we continue to get calls from people who've seen things that disturb and upset them. Margaret, you were in town uh, was it last weekend? Uh, and again, you, you have a story to tell as a result of that visit. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I had, we were in town on Saturday 
and um, we walked, but we parked our car in Merchant's Quay and we walked down Patrick Street, which was quite busy actually, it was quite busy. Yeah. So we were going to Castle Street and um, it was grand, we walked down to Castle Street, we'd done her bit of business in Castle Street, we were coming back about four o'clock and just down from the roundy house, still on Castle Street, we heard this all merciful shouting, uh, a young man now, and this other a girl, a girl with him, and he was roaring and shouting at her. I don't know what he was saying, but he was just, hands were flying everywhere, and he was, he looked as though, uh, I, uh, maybe he had drugs on him, I don't know, but he looked absolutely crazy. We were on, on the other side of the street, and we had my two young grandchildren with us as well, and um, we got quite quite nervous, so we just kept walking, but a few people were standing around watching, and, uh, you know, it was just horrific. Did your grandchildren respond they, to this? Well... My grandchild is uh, 12 and uh, 7, and uh, we just started to walk fast. We just clapped him by the hand, and we just walked fast. And they were say, she was saying to her mom, Mommy, what's happening? What's happening? You know? So we said, Look, Gwen, just keep going now. We'll walk and we'll walk. And we just got out of the situation. But yesterday, my eldest, the eldest one of them, of my grandchildren, she asked her mom, Mom, what was all that about um, Saturday in town? It's a valid and, question. It's a question any child would ask. It is, yeah. And. Um, my daughter just said like that she didn't know maybe they were just angry with one another trying to explain the situation to a 12 year old but um, I just felt like it's I don't know I, I walked in in the North Main Street for years and I mean we never had any we actually have been down the North Main Street down memory because I hadn't been down there in years and um, the whole place has changed but we, we didn't feel any I didn't feel unsafe walking in the North Main Street to be quite honest with you or anything yes. and I didn't feel unsafe walking from Patrick Street down to Castle Street, but I did feel very, very, very unsafe there. I just felt hmm. frightened. She bent down the ground then, and he was over, bent over on top of her, you know, oh. shouting and roaring. So there was, there was a couple of well, very, men, very threatening behaviour. Very, very threatening behaviour. You know, what I'd age say, are we talking? I'd say uh, probably late twenties. Right. Yeah, about late twenties, you know. And nobody was intervening. There was no sign of a guard to say. No, there was a guard. I didn't see a guard. <laughs> no. Yeah, no yeah. In the course of your walk, and you, you had a good walk. You walked we down. We had a from... good walk. Nothing. No guard at all. At all. No. No. Either going down or coming back. No, nothing. Absolute. And even around the the Cold K area, there. Like, I mean, we we headed off down at, to through Paul Street there, you know, to go down to the car park yeah. of Merchants Key. And um, I mean, the place was absolutely jointed. We found it hard enough, like, to walk through the crowds there, but there was no aggression of anybody from anybody. Like, I mean, it was fine. Yes. We were just that little bit nervous. We said like we were going straight back to the car park and out, and that was it. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> Margaret, you said you don't come to town that often. In your memory, do you think it has changed from the oh, town it, you... Yeah? It has. It has. Because we used to go to town every Saturday. We used to go to town. I'd take my mum to town. I'd be good to her. Like we'd go to town every Saturday. And, um, nope, I haven't been in town. I'd say I probably about six times I've been in town in the last five or six years. And I is it because of incidents like you saw on Castle Street that, that, that would put you off? 
Well, I don't know, really. I don't think there's much really left in town. Yeah. And I mean, it, Patrick Street isn't the Patrick Street. I worked in Patrick Street when I started work at 14 in the home stores in Patrick Street. Oh, right. I don't know whether you remember it now. I wouldn't, but I, 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 you yeah. were working at 14. So yeah. you, you know the place, you know the area. That, yeah. And I worked in Rocha Stores myself. was one of my yeah, first well, jobs. Yeah, the home stores. Now was just up from, yeah. from Rocha Stores. Actually, Rocha Stores bought it back in late 1969 I suppose yeah. 68 a very very different Patrick Street very very different altogether very different and we went to Bennett's then to work in Bennett's and yeah. I mean the North Main Street was thriving beautiful place to work like and beautiful place to, I was in Fair Hill myself you know we just went down to work yeah. melancholic now like but I mean it's just I remember Bennett's as well you never worked there but I remember it yeah yeah Bennett's was a great store to work in like I mean we had great friends and you know it was a great place to work yeah you wouldn't like to see, and I know they're a bit young yet, but in a, year, in a couple of years to come, I don't think you'd like to see your grandchildren going in there on their own. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. No, I mm. wouldn't. I mean, even my own, I have, I mean, I have two sons, I've grown up, and a daughter, like, and I mean, as I said, I wouldn't like them. I would be nervous of them, and I have one older grandchild, a couple of, two older grandchildren than, than 12, and I mean, I wouldn't like them to be going into town, you know? Yeah. You were working yourself in town at 14 I would have been closer to 17 I would say going on 18 but you were working in town at 14 Margaret and you wouldn't like to see a 14 year old now going to oh town God, on no. their own no oh god no 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 way no, no. way I'd be terrified even at 16 or 17 I would even be afraid like I mean I, I, I wouldn't I, I would be very very nervous I suppose it's just the times we're living in now. I mean, I don't know. A lot has changed. A lot for the better. Cork is a great place to live and always oh, was. But, and but, it's a beautiful city, like, I mean, uh, beautiful place. And I, I love my city, but it's just, it, it'll be just fearful now going in, really. Like, I it's, mean, not, really. it's not what it was. Margaret, thank you. Not at all. Thank you, PJ. Bye-bye. Bye, Margaret. She's right, you know. It's not the city that it was. It's still a beautiful city. It's still our wonderful home by the Lee, but, but, it's it's not what it was. It's, it really isn't what it was. Uh, a couple of your comments held over from Friday and from yesterday. I was on the bus to Cork last Saturday. There was this fella shouting and roaring. Nobody intervened. I'm sure he has his own problems. That's unfortunate for him. But it doesn't make you feel very safe. Then when I got into town, I just didn't feel safe at all. And I left after a couple of hours. There was just an element around the place that I just didn't like. I just didn't feel safe. Young fellas shouting and roaring and you just never know what they're going to say or do. I'm well able myself and I couldn't look after myself but it's not nice to feel that unsafe. I think people are talking about the lack of guards which I agree with by the way. A bit too much though, says Bernie. The Lord Mayor put her finger on it when she said something along the lines of people don't stand still respectively anymore respectfully when they see the guards. It's a broader issue of respect for each other and respect for guides. And there's a certain element out there that gets pride just out of frightening people, especially women, and just of being the man with guards. That's a very good point, Mary. There does seem to be an element out there that loves to get a kick out of scaring the wits out of people. And what I mean by that is they mean you no actual harm we'd give them that they mean you no harm but what they want to do is scare the life out of you and make you think they mean you harm it's it's a form of bullying now Kevin says how much 
of a role does the internet play in this fear? Teenagers, I'll use his language, teenagers were always little shits, but you deal with them. Now people are afraid. And I'm convinced sometimes people believe they're living in inner city London and that knife crime is on every corner. Something made people fear everything, and for me, the stories people read online are at the root of it. You, you may have a point. Mary, the difference is that now there's zero respect for the guards. Zero. They get minimum hand-to-hand combat training, and they're unarmed. They're up against individuals and gangs on the street who are on steroids and spend their days in the gym. I'd love to hear the stats for injured Gardi today compared to 15 years ago. And by the way, I couldn't go to visit someone in the Mercy Hospital recently. I wouldn't walk alone there after dark. And that is from Mary. And we have lots of messages like that. One other one, which is a bit longer. I'm just going to a meeting, so I can't call you. But the problem is always the government and the guards. There was a time... Have a listen to this, because this is an interesting point. There was a time the guards were local people and knew everyone. If they spotted something shady, you got a warning, and they frightened you straight. Nowadays, they send Dublin guards to Cork and vice versa. They're all over the country. They hate us, and now we hate them. Speak for yourself. They bully us and use force that is necessary. They use every chance and every opportunity to charge us money and make our lives impossible because of simple mistakes. They take our cars if the tax is out of date. Yet at the same time, the money they rob off us for the car tax isn't used on the roads. I don't see any amazing new work being done with all the tax they're collecting from all of us. It's a joke. The government expects the young crowd to do what? Go and read quietly in a library? Tell them spend their money on putting up gaming arcades, building free areas for kids to do graffiti and act the maggot in safety. The government should pay to open these places. It'd save a fortune for all the money they spend on fixing the stuff the young people damage through boredom. Is Kevin's take on it. Another, another Kevin. That's interesting. Your uh, contributions still welcome at 0818969696396 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. It's one, we'll come back to it. There's new stuff coming in as I speak, but we love it on this programme when something works out for a family that came to us for help. And whatever small role this programme might have played, we love it. When something happens, go and talk to the Walshers again next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Six to nine AM on Cork's ninety six FM. When we were up in Andorra, I filed one of their listeners, girl I suppose called Kara, and um, I suppose look, I kind of followed her around for a few days, and you know I fancied pants off her. And uh, when we came back, we met up again a few times. You're coming back to me on your tenth anniversary this morning. Ten years, ten years. Four kids, all off the back of the fact that we organised the ski trip for you. So you owe me your life, basically. Yeah, you owe me your life sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's really lovely. Lovely, Merrick. So, is there, yeah. anything, is there anything we can do 
we can do for you for your 10th anniversary? Yeah, so I'm looking for a mug off you for the wife. <laughs> she got one 10 years ago. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Corks 96 FM. Dale stuff coming in on Cork and the safety or whatever of our city centre. I'll come back to them. Uh, Lacey in particular, I'll come back to your comment. Just don't feel safe. I'll come back to that. 0818 96 96 96. Last August, I wasn't long back from my summer holidays. We'd had some correspondence while I was away from a family in Balancholic, the Walshes. Uh, Dad has dementia. And they've adapted the house as best they can. They put in a lift, they have ramps for him and Sandra, his daughter, and and her mum are doing their absolute level best to care for dad. There's money there to pay for public care packages, but they, they had no staff. And it was just an ongoing situation. And sometimes when you get correspondence from a family like that, I just said, you know what, I'll pay them a visit and see it for myself. And I did. He has progressed very quickly in his dementia journey and is now non-verbal, almost 100% immobile and is dependent in every facet of daily living, independently. The only thing he can do is breathe. He can move his hands, he will move his legs off the chair, the footplate. That's more um, involuntary than Mm. independent voluntary Walking or moving, anything independent, he's gone, long gone. I'm looking at him here now, he knows I'm in the room. Yes, his eyes eyes are moving with everything. He He does try to speak. The odd word will come out of... Tell me about coke, he asked for coke the other day. Yes, we had dinner yesterday. He had had a can of coke and mum and I were clearing up the kitchen and next thing out of nowhere he just said coke. So off he got the he's can of coke. I don't care whether it was no. a sugar rush, he got his he's can of coke. He's still in there. He's, oh, the, he's a messer yeah. and he can communicate with his face and he yeah. will wink the eye. He, the face is fully functioning. All of the things that the carers used to do, you and mum are now doing. Uh, describe a typical day. So we would wake dad up around 9am. Mum gives him his breakfast. He eats very well. He has to be fed, but he has a normal diet. Once he's finished his breakfast, I then come on board. I do the physical lifting, turning, what have you. Normally, two individuals would be involved in turning. Um, I'm doing this on my own. When we had two carers coming in, we actually had them sharing the task between them. I don't want mum getting involved in that because, and not because she doesn't want to or wouldn't, but I have to respect the fact that she's the same age approximately as dad and she's not my age. She doesn't have the strength she had 20, 30 years ago. And I'm very strongly of the opinion that at her time of life, she should be sitting down relaxing. Dad asked us when he was diagnosed with dementia to never put him in a home. But we're not just keeping him here to abide by his wishes. Mum and I want him at home. We miss him terrible. Now, Sandra, we spoke again since then, and the situation was just getting worse to the point where I think you had to quit work and almost were on the point of having to quit college as well. There has been some news. Good morning again. Good morning, KJ. Well, it wasn't quit work as I was given an opportunity of freelance part-time work and I was unable, without a guarantee of having help for that, to take it up. Um, But 
things have changed. We were in a situation where we actually, for a period, had no help at all, mornings or evenings. And it was an evolving situation. And you could have it one week and not the next week. But the last time I spoke to you, Dad um, had literally communicated with his face, I know what's going on and I'm going to fix it. And between the cheeks and the reels, a few days after I spoke to you, Dad came down with sepsis. A very worrying situation, very serious. And in our case, it's here we go again, because that was Dad's fifth time having sepsis. No doctor can figure out how the man gets it or survives it. He is just a medical mystery. But what it did was it gave the HSE the proverbial kick up the backside, as you might say, and it put serious pressure on them because no hospital, public or private, would have been willing to discharge him to a situation where there was either no or insufficient home support services in place. Because a blind man could see that he needs help. Yes. So... What happened while he was in hospital, I was doing my usual badgering of the HSC. I was doing my usual ringing around of the agencies. And one agency that we had in the evenings said they'd also give us that staff member in the mornings to assist me. And another agency that I contacted went, please tell me you're still not without a service because I had been on to them last July when this all started mm. and periodically in between. And they said, he's in hospital, let us try something. So they came back and they said, we have one staff member. And I said, look, can you pair up with the staff member from the other agency? I know it's an unusual scenario for two agencies to come in together. They said, no problem. They said, you're in a desperate situation. This can't continue. So we had the mornings, Monday to Friday, sorted out at that stage, ready for Dad to be discharged from hospital. We still had only one person in the evenings and nobody at the weekends. And I rang the HSC again and I said, look, lads, this can't continue. I said, Mom and I are physically and mentally worn out, not so much from looking after Dad, but from the stress of wondering how are we going to continue? Yes. What's happening? Is anybody listening to us? Do the HSC even know we're out there at this stage, even though you're getting calls from us? And I said, we can't do this indefinitely. I said, it's the stress that's killing us. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I left it with them. In the meantime, I also was a little bit bold using my professional knowledge and I made an FOI request of the HSE and I made a, a formal complaint to the Ombudsman. And, and put it this way, Sandra, for people who wouldn't know, your professional background would mean that you'd be, how will I put this, you'd be able to write an FOI request better than the average Joe or Mary and write it in such a way as it can't be denied, correct? Correct. Yeah. Because um, I made it very pointed. I was very specific in what I was looking for. And I was specific as to the people I wanted the information from. Yes. And 
initially I got a reply from the HSE. Like I, I wrote it with an introduction saying that is nonverbal immobile advanced dementia. So I'm making the request on his behalf because it's information about him you're looking for. So he has he theoretically has to request it himself. Right. But obviously I'm doing it on his behalf in his circumstances. And the first response I got back from the HSC by return email was please send in a letter from your dad's consultant confirming that he has this condition and please provide proof that you're his daughter. Now coming from my background that was like a red rag to a bull (laughs) and my response back was well short of a DNA test how do you basically want me to prove I'm his daughter? I can give you my birth cert if that's okay with you and as regards his condition well you will note that the reason I am requesting all of this is because it's all documented in the files that I'm looking for. But if you want, I'll expand my request and I'll actually ask for public health nurse, nursing notes as well, which will include very detailed clinical issues on that medical condition. It's all about knowing what to ask and how to ask it, isn't it? Oh, it, it is. And lo and behold, they sent back oh, that's fine, so thanks very much. And, of course, the next thing we knew was actually only last week, two bankers' boxes of lever arch files arrived with all the FOI stuff in it. Right. Happy days. I didn't even know they were delivering it to me. I was surprised. It actually arrived at the door, hand-delivered. Crazy. So I made my way through that file and I'm not fully through it yet, but there's some quite damaging stuff that if we wanted to do something, we could mm. probably seek the HSE. But look, probably best to keep that to yourselves for now. I, I guess, was so. going to say, like, like, we're not in this for a fight. We're not in this, you know, to do anything. We just want the service for that. What I also did at the same time was, I made a complaint to the ombudsman. Now, they are taking it very seriously because it usually takes several weeks to get a reply from the ombudsman. I had my complaint gone off two days when I got a phone call to say, we see your complaint. It's clearly time sensitive. Clearly, you can't wait in a list. What can we do for you? Very good. Very good. I made the HSE aware of the fact that I had complained. And I said, look, get us our service. And we might be able to see our way to resolve this. Ooh, very they good. didn't initially. You put them over so a I, Yes, I did. But they didn't respond to it initially, which makes me think they're quite accustomed to people complaining them. I know they're quite accustomed to legal proceedings because we all watch it on the news every night. Millions being paid out for yeah. things that should never have happened or could easily have been avoided. So they're they're not frightened anymore by authority looking down and examining what they've been up to. But but they did come back. They did offer. come back. By the time Dad was being discharged from hospital, we were told that they were looking at a third agency to fill the gap in our service. And last Thursday week, we got a call to say that a third agency would be coming on. They came out and they assessed us and as of last Monday night we finally have our full service in place. So we've had our first full week 
of two carers at night, two carers in the morning and two carers at the weekend. You have no idea how happy it makes me to hear you say that. You have no idea how it has changed our lives in such a short space of time. You get, <laughs> a, bit of, you get a bit of rest, a bit of sleep, you can do your work, you can do your lectures, you can, you can live Mom again. Mum can do her housework, she can go out if she needs to. She, you know, it's just having that freedom. And we have been blessed because each of the carers individually that are coming to us are so good with that. They're all senior carers that we got on our team. They're so good with that. He's engaging with them in a way that I wouldn't have thought he would yes. this far on from having people coming into him on a regular basis. And they're very good at their job. Like he's, I only said to mom a few days ago, I said, it's a pleasure to be able to sit down or go out or do whatever and know that dad is being cleaned properly. He's coming downstairs in his wheelchair, sitting in it properly, not half falling out of it. And that he is happy. This is fantastic. And you know, one thing I noticed in that visit Oh, and I was there with you guys for the bones of an hour. He watched me and he listened to me and he could hear everything I said. And at one point I just turned to him and I said, I'll do what I can. And I could see his yeah. eyes fill up with tears. He's so aware of what's going on around him. He is super aware. Like as I keep saying to people, just because he can't talk or walk does not mean that his entire brain is dead. The motor functions are gone. Mm -hmm. And as I said in the interview initially, it has rendered him in a condition where he is no longer independent in any aspect of his life. Mm -hmm. But But there there is still stuff going on in the brain. He's still there very much so. He's He's still still there. there. And I can tell you his character is there. And you can see it in his face. Would, he he make a fool out of you if he wants. To. Would would you do something for me, Sandra? I will. Would you go indeed. and tell him for me that I am thrilled? I can do better than that because I know he's listening to you upstairs at the moment. <laughs> Hello there, my friend. I'm so happy for you. This is what we said we would do. We would push it, and your daughter and your wife have been just so wonderful. You are fantastic. Your family is brilliant. I'm so, so happy for you. Well, we are thrilled because like this, we felt at one stage we were never going to get it and that we were condemned to a life of, I won't say misery, but just a tough life. Hardship. Unnecessary hardship. Yeah. And since last week now with the full service back, like I was able to get out in the garden at the weekend and tidy it up. Um, I'm able to do things with Dad that had almost disappeared. Like if we hear a song that we that I know he likes on the radio, catch his two hands and do a little bit of dancing in the wheelchair. You know, you the the energy and the zest for those things disappears when you're very very stressed. Yes, yes. You sent me a lovely picture They're of him back. reading the menu in Luigi Malone's. <laughs> oh, this, this man is hilarious, <laughs> and we're convinced he can still read certain things. Now, not everything and not at the speed you and I would read. Mm. But he was a very intelligent man. And you see him, he gets his finger and he'll follow the letters of a word along on a sheet or a page or whatever. Uh, uh, Like, he's 
still making the effort, which makes us think there's still stuff going on. And you know, isn't it lovely, Sandra? Because when I called out in August, he was sitting out in the garden, enjoying his garden on a beautiful, beautiful summer's day. And with spring coming and the garden reawakening, he'll be able to go out there and sit and enjoy. He can. He was watching me from inside the window the other day, working in it. So, <laughs> and he has to supervise me in case I do it wrong. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> He's still the boss. Indeed. Listen, I'm, I cannot believe how how happy this makes me this morning, Sandra. Thank you so much for letting us know. Well, it was only basic manners to let you know because you were so supportive yourself. Fergal, Emer, the lot of you, everybody I spoke to on the team was like, oh my God, how are you surviving? This is a disaster. And you were just so kind to us that I had to share our good news with you. No matter who got it, how it was got, it's good news. It has to be shared. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. Sandra, great to talk to you again. Thank you. Don't you love it when something works out? That's brilliant. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. She's a lovely woman, says Kate. I'm so glad it worked out for her. So happy for Sandra. If you look across the system, you have to wonder how many hospital beds would be freed up if people had better access to home care. I think it'd be a massive difference. You're not wrong. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Some do it for the challenge, some for charity, and some for the cheer. Cork's 96FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Run solo in the Fuller Half Marathon or take part in the first ever 10km race, which can now be run solo or part of a team, which now includes ages 15 plus and up. Sign up for Cork's Feel Good Event of the Year. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. With Cork's 96FM. Guards are rarely seen in the city patrolling, says Kieran. Should be on Patrick Street, Oliver Brunkett Street, South Mal, but they're never there. The city isn't safe, especially the side streets. The relationship between the guards and teenagers needs to be improved. They should be walking the beat, saying hello. They used to do this all the time, and it's not that long ago. I wouldn't even recognise the guards in our local area now. It might just help build up relationships with the people again. Now, I mentioned the press office this morning. Came back to us with nothing about last night. And yesterday, they had nothing for us about Douglas. Regarding the press office not having a record on the system, give them a chance to enter the incident. The incident happened last night. So the guards were clearly busy policing the area. Too busy to be at a computer. With such a level of short staffing in the guards, I can only agree. They barely have a minute to do admin. I'll buy that. I'll buy that partly. Not fully. I'm not buying the full package. Because they do say they'll come back. And they always say they will revert if they have any new information. And, and then they never seem to do that. I also would tell you this. I'm dealing with the guard the press office for the last probably 30 years on and off and they used to come back to you very quickly much more quickly than than they do now and even if they had the bones of something the bare bones 
they'd give you the bare bones. But not these days. They're very slow to come back these days. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Linda, you had a point to make about the guards. Good morning. Um, good morning, PJ. Um, basically, um, you know, the, the, the guards before, we'd say, as we were growing up, you had respect for them. You know, if they'd seen a young fella doing something out of the way, yeah. they would actually, they'd give them a clip on the ear and tell them, get on their way or tell your parents. And that was it. And the kids would cop on. Yes. You know, there was no such thing as, um, there wasn't, you know, grand, there was tuggery, like, but there wasn't what there is today and there was no knives and everything. But the guards today will catch the likes of us for a TV licence. Um, the, guys wouldn't, the guys don't get involved in that now that someone else surely is it? No, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we'll, you know, we'll get taken for tax or I whatever. I guess I get you. And yeah. we'd say the real tugs are walking the streets. They go into court and they're back on the street, yeah. you know, and they're doing the same thing. Go back in. Oh, he's after getting a job. It, it's always depression. They all suffer from depression to get off with whatever crime they commit. Yeah. But yeah. like, even like, I see the difference in the guards today. They they get the uniform and they want the pension at the end of it. It's, they don't want to do the job. Like, mm. you know, I've made a complaint about something and never heard the guards again. And it was something extremely serious. I was the one chasing the guards. I was actually basically doing their job. Yeah. And when they came back, um, they're saying, oh, we can't do anything about it. Of course yeah. they can because I had got legal advice. And they didn't. They don't want to do their job for a lot of different things. Well, you well know? I, maybe that's a generalisation that they don't want to do their job. I mean, if you met a guard that wasn't very helpful, that was a guard but, that wasn't very helpful, and and, and they should have been more helpful. But to say they don't want to do their job, that's a bit of a sweeping statement, is it? No, I don't think so. I, you know, how many people could you talk to that, you know? They'd say, oh, they went to a station or they rang them for yeah. some reason and the guards didn't help them. But, but equally, Linda, them, equally, I would have taken countless phone calls here over the years from people who said such and such a thing happened to, and they would always say, no, I ran the guards and they were brilliant. Yeah. No, there are guards out there, don't get me wrong, that yeah. are fantastic guards. There are, they, though they are those guards out there as well. But, I mean, you'd see the majority of them there. We'd mm. say, like, I'd see them there with, like, young is driving on the street yeah. and they would pick them up for absolutely no reason yeah. you know yeah. and it, it's just a plague on certain groups yeah. and they were you demented know, last night there was a big crowd up as you know up in, up in Kilmore Road last night and there was a load of guards up there just trying to bring the, the thing under control and they, they, they were doing their job you know they were yeah. just, they're just under under resourced and understaffed there's not yeah. enough of them I mean if you look at it and we did that we, we did the numbers last week I don't have them to hand now but all of our major our major guard stations in the city including the Bridewell probably the busiest of them all 30 percent yeah. down in staffing numbers that they don't have the numbers. No, they they don't have the numbers and the crime level is going up. I mean, we'd say we have Spike Island. That should have been a prison and left as a prison. Yeah. Because the crime rate is so high. The criminals are on the street and there's nowhere to put them. Now, I heard, I don't know how true it is, that when the judges go in in the morning, they're given, we'd say in Cork Prison, there might be four vacancies in there. 
so they have to choose which four. Well, I, I've never uh, heard that, Linda, and I couldn't, yes. I couldn't back it up. But, but it's yes, the prison, I heard, oh, yeah. and I can't the prison, the prison is overcrowded. The, prison is, the prisons you know? are overcrowded, all of them, yeah. You know, and like now there's so much more people coming into the country and treble the crimes are being committed. And what, what happens then, you know? Um, like, like I'm thinking, is the army going to come in to assist with the guards? Mm. Because the guards can't do it, you know. Um, even just for simple, just to be bodies to be seen around the place. Yeah. That that They'd seems be to terror. be a very common thing. Like people, I was on. Now I did get a message from someone yesterday to say that they were in at the opera house Friday night at Ross Brown's show, and when they left to walk back to their car to pick it up, they were delighted to see two guards walking the beat against them. Yeah. Around now, by the same token, I came out of the very same show, and I spent about an hour with my daughter. We, we had a drink, and we were walking through town. And she was going to her friends, and I was going for the bus home. And I didn't see a, a guard in in the bones of an hour in, in the city centre, which at eleven or twelve o'clock on a Friday night you'd expect to see them walking around. Yeah, I mean the guards today—they're like nuns. They're actually a novelty if you see one on the street. Yeah. You know. Now they're um, around in cars and they're around on bikes, but it's not the same. I don't think. No, it's not because if they see something as they're walking, they can stop it or fix the situation. You know, even they turn you see back more and a lot. Of, obviously, and you meet the people and you'll chat to them. Yeah. Like my son was out. Um, he was at that actually car meet down in Blackpool. Yeah. And oh yes, I saw that last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he was talking to a lovely guard. He said he was so nice, and the guard was saying, "Oh, I had a Subaru and I had to sell it because the wife didn't like it." So my son referred to him as guard, and he says, "No, no, no, don't call me Garda." He said, "I we just say his name was Chris." Yeah, yeah. he says, "Refer to me as Chris, not Garda." Yeah, and I thought that was lovely from my son's generation. That was good policing. That was very exactly. good policing. He was there exactly. to make sure there was no trouble. There wasn't yeah. any trouble, so he hung around, chatted to his son, talked about cars. That was then. That, now that's a good cop. That, that exactly, and he was speaking to my son on a level rather than he was in the guard. Yep. yep. And yep. if there's more of that out there, they will gain respect. You know, because it, a lot of Catherine people, says you're being very unfair. Catherine says I shouldn't be letting you say these things. You're being very unfair. What would you say I'm to not Catherine? being unfair. I'm just being honest. You know. And like if I said there about this guard, a nice guard, and I said if there's more guards out there, I'm yeah. not just knocking them, I'm after giving praise. And I'm, I'm, I'm the son of a guard, you know, so... No, I know I, that, like, and, yeah. And I, and I know how the, how the change, how things have changed, you know, I exactly. do, I do see. know. Yeah, and I mean, look, we always know there was corruption within the guards. Ah, well, let's not go there now. I'm not guards on the no, streets. No, 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 I'm just saying, you know, but at least back then, the guards went out and they were seen and they did what had to be done. Whereas today, a lot of them do put a blinder, They've, you know. And if they, like we'd say, if you go in to make a report and they'll turn around and tell you it's something civil, so you have to go to your solicitor. If that happens, the advice is, maybe it is, Gard, but I would still like to make a report. Can you facilitate me? And they have to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But you know. there's been, I, I can't say it on radio, but I could say it off. There's an issue, right? And um, I went in, I made a report, and they said, yeah, grand, everything was lovely. They were going to sort it out. 
couple of minutes later, oh, sorry, um, they told me, you know, they'll get my property back. It was stolen property. They'll get my property back. They go into the computer, blah, blah, and say, oh, sorry, that's a civil case, which it isn't a civil case. Yeah. I had, but, but you know, the, the, the I had it by probably getting a bit close my to, solicitor. Too close to home. And he said, like, no. He said, this is a Garda matter. It's yeah. stolen property. They have to retrieve the stolen property. Well, you, if, if, they know, if they know where it is, property. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they know where the property is. They exactly know where the property well, is. Well, you made your statement and, and they've opened an investigation and, and that's kind of what they have to do. Linda, for no reason other than time, I'm going to leave it there. I've enjoyed our conversation. People might not agree with you. I'm certainly a little personally uncomfortable with some of the things you're saying, but you're entitled to say them. You're entitled to say them. 0818 96 96 96. Last night, for example... 20 guards trying to bring that situation up in Kilmore Road under control. They were doing their job. And we would like to see more of them. We would certainly like to see more of them. And the tweet that I put up the other night with regard to um, hillbillies being closed, I was only acting the aegis, putting up a tweet, dying for it bowl of chips and curry and wasn't to be there to be had and I was wondering what was going on I did get messaged by someone and said that it's so unsafe now for certain places to stay open after 10 or 11 o'clock at night they're just closing which is a whole other way of looking at things 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The lines are live Hello Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96FM. We're only about half an hour, maybe not even that, away from doing this again. Once upon a time. Yeah, we're doing Dermot this hour. Guaranteed to play that song. Something to someone, that's our song of the day today. When you hear it, you call us at 083 or, sorry, text or WhatsApp us at 083 396 96 96 and then we will put somebody through, ask them a question and hopefully qualify them for the final to send them off to see Las Vegas and see Dermot and spend five days and fly and spending money and swanky hotel the whole kit and caboodle happens in May for some lucky Corks 96 FM listener doing that in the next it's 7 minutes past 10 do that definitely in the next uh, 40 minutes max 0818 96 96 96 Linda's call before 10 kind of got you going there were things in there that I would agree with there were things in there I would not agree with but Linda's entitled to a view and I'd say it's a view that some people hold she believed that the guards really don't want to do their job, a lot of them. She believed if you call them out for something, they don't seem too interested. She clearly had a, an incident herself involving stolen property and she wasn't overly happy with the way the guards handled it. And she's entitled to not be happy. But then you have to look at the situation in which the guards found themselves last night up at Kilmore Road. Huge gang. Um, thanks to, was it Twiggy who sent us a picture of the bike 
burnt out up there last night. So definitely a rough and unpleasant situation. And you've guards up there trying to wade into that hugely outnumbered and hoping to, to draw peace to the situation. And I just saw something on Sunday and it came to mind in the past hour. I was down on Sunday afternoon with the Umfala at the Young at Heart event. They do this tea dance thing for the elderly and Phil Goodman, the wonderful Phil Goodman always invites my young lad to play and they love him down there and he, he just plays a couple of tunes on his guitar and he has a drink and a bag of crisps and he goes home again. He's the happiest young man in, in the country for the day. But they had a huge crowd down there on Sunday afternoon as they always do and um, there was a few young guards helping out, just there helping out situation. And I can imagine that one or two of those young guards who were there helping out with that, that was community guard work, that was community policing at its best. Maybe an hour or two later, those guards were scrambling to the other end of Douglas to try to catch some scrote, whatever they were doing down near East Village. So I wouldn't be a guard for all the money on the planet. It's a fact, and I say that as the very proud son of a guard. The lady saying the guards don't want to do their job she said the criminals walk out of court without convictions after saying they have depression. Doesn't she get it? That's the judge. Yeah, you're right. That's the judge. The guard does the work to get the case to court. The judges are then afraid to pass a conviction and pass a sentence. Easy targets has blamed the guards for everything. That's an excellent point, Deirdre. That's a top class point. And I watched it myself in and out of the district court for years and years and years and the circuit watching guards bring files as thick as your arm into the court to try to get some fella put away and you have the, the hand-wringing brigade oh he had suffered this terrible life and the judge either suspends the sentence or, or whatever you're right the, the guards put blood sweat and tears into getting those cases together and it doesn't work out Dave says people are never happy does it matter if they're walking or cycling once they're out and about in a way David does because they're visible if they're out walking they're visible people can see them and if they're there wandering down those new, you know, those new big public pathways we get now, wide enough to play a match on, as I keep saying. Somebody thinks that they're a good idea. But isn't it, wouldn't it be lovely to see a guard or two guards wandering along there on a spring day, just keeping an eye, wandering over Mary Elm's Bridge, for example, every so often, just keeping an eye. Because you could spend a half an hour here talking about the stuff that gets traded back and forth on Mary Ann's Bridge, just saying. So a bit more walking around on the beat. When I came to live in Douglas in 95, I knew all the guards by their first name. You'd always see the community guard run the village. That all seemed to stop when we got the new station, says Deirdre. I rang the guards one night. There was two fellas at my door banging and roaring. The guards never came. I rang back and all I got was they probably mixed up your house with somebody else. I live on my own, so that wasn't exactly acceptable. What if they got in? I think the guards can be useless. What are they being paid for when they don't do their job? If you worked in a supermarket and weren't doing your job, I don't think your employer would employ you very long. Recruiting is ridiculous. I know three people that all passed the physical, which is very hard. One failed the medical on blood pressure. The nurse on the day literally said there was a problem before pressure was even taken. Very strange. But they have their own doctors. The medical is saying there's no blood pressure at all. The other two are still waiting months just to hear about joining. Is there a quota or something that they have to work to or what, says Rachel. And your comments are pouring in. 
following my conversation with Linda. And it's one I'm happy to come back to. But Pat, you got in touch with us. What happened to these youngsters? They were they, were, they went to the match, the Cork Dublin match on Sunday. And what happened? Morning. Hi. Morning, Peter. Nice to hear the fellow crew, three men on the other end of the uh, line. <laughs> there's a few of us yeah. out there. For a for a penance. Um the young Flair went to the Cork and Dublin match with a few of his friends on Sunday. Yeah. No, he got the bus in from Glamire. All had their cock there and the cock tops and tracksuits. And mm, after the match at half five he said, We're getting the bus home from Kent Station at half past six. Okay. So I said, It means you come off the bus, let me know and I'll go Christmas dark and I said, I'll I'll collect you and bring you home. Well, that was grand anyway, so in all fairness, he always keeps in touch with us, so 20 past six, he said, we're outside Kent Station now, waiting on the bus, there was eight of us. Mm-hmm. I said, grand. So, quarter to seven, he rang, he said, Dad, the bus stopped and refused to pick us up. He just stopped and he looked at him and kept going. Hmm. No. Was the bus full? No. He said there was only about five or six people in the bus. So he rang a quarter to seven. He said, we'll wait for seven o'clock. The seven o'clock bus came and didn't even stop. This is the bus that pulls into the train station? Yes. yes. No, the bus opposite. Do you know train station? Just oh, by... by the garage there? Yes. Right, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So um, so at seven o'clock, he said, the bus just kept going. He said, they didn't even stop. No. I know my young friend, you know, young friends can be messy and all that, but they're not. Yeah. I can vote for like, them. they all be about 14, yeah? They're all 14, they're all playing hurling together with Sarah and the Bears and all those clubs. So he rang me, I said, look, I'll come in for 4 of you. And there was another pair that came in for the 4 No, thank God, PJ, we had the facility to come in. But what happened if we hadn't? Mm-hmm. The long walk from Kinsley, down into Hazelwood and Glamoyer. Sure is. What's the route? Is that the 245 or it's the, the 245? I think it's the 214. 214, of course, they've extended it down into Glenmore yeah, now. They have, yeah, yeah, it goes down as far as Knockwell, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if like people are saying there's kids on the road, like it's a long walk from, from Kent Station down into Hazelwood. It is. It is. And it it was dark. So like to me, I just don't think it's acceptable. Did you there are many ways to register a complaint or a query with both Aaron? But you know what no, I I was saying to my young friend last night, he said, Oh please don't go on the radio. I said, Look, it has to be highlighted. I think I think you're right, Pat. I'm glad you have no, called. Yeah, we, yeah. We, I think we are. I think we we have a, pre- a query in with them to see what they say. Yeah, like as I said, the first the first bus driver, a half six pulled in. Now we hopefully said there might only be five or six on the bus. He looked at us and he kept going. Okay. And then he rang at twenty to seven ten. This is situation, and then at seven o'clock he said the next bus just drove on. And then I said, look, we'll come in and collect you. That's so not. I got four of them and another four, but not good enough. That's not on. No, I think we have with them to see what happened there. And you can do your own querying if you want to, uh, Pat. But thank you for highlighting that. A uh, bunch of lads waiting for a bus home from a match Sunday evening. 14-year-old kids, eight of them down the road there, down the, by the railway station. Bus passed them. First guy pulled up, stopped, took one look and drove on. Second bus just drove straight past them. The 7 o'clock, the 2.14. Pat thinks, 2.14. We have asked Bus Aaron what happened. If we get anything, we'll come back to you. John, you went to see a consultant, a pricey exercise in itself. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, sir. What happened? Yes, yesterday morning, um, I arrived for an appointment at the UH Consultant 
private clinics um, there in the grounds there at yeah, UH. And like like most of these things, they're arranged months in advance and the whole lot. So I arrived and waited, in fairness, only 10, 15 minutes and had my 10-minute session and the fee is 180 um, euro. Okay. So I went to the reception on the way out to book my next appointment and they asked me how would I like to pay and I said obviously I, I don't bring cash with me so I'll pay by card mm. so in that it was advised that they don't accept um, card payments it's only cash or check okay. really? yeah yeah so I, I you know I was a bit taken aback by you, you weren't you had no insurance to pay had, or do they take insurance no? No, I, I tell you, I do have private health insurance, but it's something I'd have to reclaim back myself. I see. It, it's I not a direct, um, I have you. I have you know, you. payment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some are, some aren't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, the secretary then advised that it was on the letter I had that, um, you know, the cash payment, you know, was, was mentioned as the only payment they would take. So I, I took out the letter and... You know, certainly there was no mention of this, of the stipulation. So if you looked at the letter anyway, it happened that I had got a rescheduled appointment letter and that on the original letter I would have got months ago, it would have mentioned this. So look, the bottom line is anyway, um, I didn't have cash on me and they want, uh, sorry, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have cash on me. So what I suggested was that I'd go over to the main CUH uh, hospital building and and withdraw cash from the ATM there. Yeah. So then I was told that that wasn't possible because that ATM had been removed during COVID and was never replaced. Right. So then I said, okay. And did you I, ask, sorry, John, to cut across yeah, did you yeah. ask why they wouldn't take a card? I didn't. I didn't. Um, you know, she tell me this was their policy that they just don't take um, card payments. And okay. um, so then I just said, look, can I pay you directly? You know, can you give me a bank account number and I can lodge the funds directly into the consultant's bank account number, you know? And then I was told, no, that that's not, um, you know, that that wasn't possible either. That, you know, the only, the only payment they would take was either cash or a bank draft. And um, Who had their hands on a bank draft at half ten in the morning? Yeah, you know. And, and you're sure that when you read through your appointment letter, there was no mention yeah. of this? No, PJ, I tell you, I got an original appointment letter about eight or nine months ago, okay? Yeah. And I took note of the date and everything else because obviously these go from year to year. But the appointment letter that I brought with me and the one I kind of looked at was the rescheduled letter. And on the rescheduled letter, there was no mention of... Um, payment. Payment by um, cash only. Now, if I knew it, I would have brought it with me. Sure. But I, I suppose... Something I've noticed lately is that there seems to be more of a trend in some sectors where, you know, it's either cash or card only. Yeah. And um, I think you might remember there a few months ago there was been some uh, conversation with some restaurant, but they're yeah, no longer the barn, taking. We, we talked to them. Yeah, they, they don't yeah, take. Yeah. And look, they made their business case and, and it, it's fine by they them. And, and I was yeah. only looking at something the other day looking at maybe booking tickets for a rugby game in the in the Aviva next year and noting on the booking page that the Aviva is now completely card only and in fact I was in the Opera House on Friday night, went to the bar for a pint uh, to discover it is card only. I don't like that but it's the way things are going. 
It is, yeah. And I mean, you know, they do cite security and insurance reasons why they're doing that. And that's perfectly understandable from their side. But, the, you know, the idea of not taking cars in when people are being advised, you know, of the dangers of carrying cash with them. Yeah. And you, accept, like, you expect that, John. You expect that yeah. if you're stopping on the way home from a drive to Kerry and you're stopping on a Sunday evening at a chipper at the side of the road, you expect them to just want cash. You don't expect it. You don't expect it at a consultant's private clinic. No, and I mean, you know, ahead of me now yesterday morning was um, an elderly couple. And I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not saying every elderly couple is vulnerable, but, you know, if they had to be carrying 140, 180 cash as well, mm. you know, and then that means that the consultancy clinics are holding this cash yes. all day long as well. And I, I, I just... You know, and the amount the amount of cash that would be crossing that counter on an average yeah. eight to twelve hour day, yeah, exactly. And I mean, with technology now, I mean, you know, there's so many portable devices that can be used to accept card payments Correct. and everything else. Correct. But, uh, you know, you can even bring it from one location to another. So I mean, if the consultant is out in the CUH today, but maybe somewhere else tomorrow, that should be no reason why. Um, you know, oh, no. our payment facility cannot no. be um, no. put in place, you know? No, because the aforementioned chipper van now has a yeah. thing that they can carry their card machine around. So th- it, it's it's possible to do all these things. That's a very strange... You know, but I think the worry is that, you know, if this becomes a trend, like, is, is it something then that, you know, you'll find GPs are going to start doing or dentists are going to start doing and say, yeah. look, okay, you know, I mean... Well, my den- my dentist takes card and, and has done for years. My, my yeah, GP started yeah. recently. And 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 uh, is is quite happy with. It's a very strange yeah, one. Very I, strange. I, I know. I know there is a small fee for using the car payments and everything else. But I mean, it is pretty small in comparison yeah. to the volume of business you know that you Indeed. would be doing. Absolutely, it is. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that that was really just my point. But, you know, John, I mean, I just you know let you know that. Uh, that thank thank you for coming. that. It's a, it's a, it's a whole different twist on the cash versus card discussion. Thank you, John. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. John went to a consultant's private clinic to be told that they only take cash. There are so many places now only taking card, um, and now we've got a consultant's private clinic only taking cash, according to John. I was very pleasantly surprised actually. Saturday, I was in town with the young lad. Came in to get something done for him. We said we'd have a bite of breakfast while we were in town. Popped into a very well-known establishment um, and ordered a bit of food and asked, would you like to play ca- pay a cash or card? That, my view, is how it should be. We should not have the choice taken from us. I would believe very firmly in that. That's where I stand. I don't like being told I can't pay car- cash, but increasingly it is what it is. But here's an unusual one. John going to see a consultant in the private clinic and the consultant only wanted to take cash. 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Staying with healthcare and returning to something that's been quite fascinating to talk about for I thought bones of a year now, we're discussing it on the show, and that is people going off to Alicante, to Denia, to the hospital there, to have their hips done, their knees done, their cataracts done, whatever else they can get done, 
through a company called Healthcare Abroad. And again, every time you talk to someone who's been there, you get more people phoning you and say, I've gone and I've had an appointment and I rang up and they said, and they rang, I rang on Sunday and they said, can you come out in 10 days? How the hell is it all being done? We're finally going to catch up with them, but let's remind us, or remind ourselves rather, of some of the people we have spoken to about their experience with healthcare abroad. Dennis, what brought you to Spain to get the knee done? Were you, were you knackered? We've an, an assistant dog, and I walk him every night, and it was gone so bad towards the middle of November, I couldn't do it anymore. And had you been looking for a replacement operation here? I had. I got two MRIs done and that. So I rang him and I said, how long will I be waiting? She said, maybe three and a half, four years minimum. There's a friend of mine, Billy Sheehan, and he said, Leave it with me, he said. I'll get on to Chris. Chris rang me the following day. How about the 7th of January? That's brilliant, PJ. Yeah. You'd recommend it, I think. I tell you now, there was people went out in a wheelchair and they walked home. That's no joking now. The smile on the women's faces and they're coming back. Wow. Denise, you were over as well, were you? How are you getting on? I'm fine. Fine. Driving, walking, doing everything that I couldn't do before. You got the, the knee done? Total knee, yeah. And, well, I, I phoned on a Sunday, and Chris phoned me back, I think it was the Tuesday. Right. And said, book your flight. There's a five-year, nearly five-year waiting list to get it done. Within five weeks, I was over there, done dusted. Uh, Dee, do you want to go? What's the story? I waited two and a half years to see a surgeon. He took one look at me and said, I won't be doing the surgery. I said, sorry, I need a full hip replacement. And he said, you're waiting. Yeah, well, you can't walk and you can't get around. You're not, you can hardly so, lose weight. Like. And he said, go in, get a cortisone injection, get out walking. So I did, and I went out walking. It got all inflamed, and so I'm back to square one again. I can't walk. Off which end, book a flight? I know. And you went to Alicante and, and got the job done. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I did. I went in September and got it done. Had, had your doctor said to you, that he wasn't happy with me not losing weight. Well, were you having a hip or a knee? A hip. Mm. And then I heard it on your own show in July Yeah. about healthcare abroad, made the phone call. I was a bit nervous. I thought it was too good to be true. But by God, I'd recommend it for anyone. And the treatment you get out there, PJ, is next to none. Yeah. And they didn't care about your weight? Abroad, they didn't care. He asked me all the questions on the phone. I told him what my weight was. Mm. Couldn't walk. I couldn't go anywhere unless I took two painkillers. That was even to go upstairs. That's... As just the selection of the stories that have been told to us on the opinion line since we first started speaking about this. Paul Bourne is the Chief Operations Officer with Healthcare Abroad. I think you're based here rather than over there, Paul. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, thanks for having us on. Pleasure to talk to you. And really great to hear uh, some old voices there, Dennis and Anne. Got to remember Anne being in tears with me. Yes, I'm based in Dublin. And as Anne will tell you, that's the only problem she had that I was a dub. <laughs> but uh, I'm based in Dublin I do travel sometimes over to the guys in Spain for bits of training and other bits and pieces that's required but I'm here I'm here enjoying the sunshine we have here today though in fairness so uh, yeah no it's great it's great to hear all those patients talking so highly of us and um, take, take the, the comparison so Dennis needs a knee and at home here he was being told it'll be three and a half years before he'll even see someone who might be able to do that knee he gets in touch with your company and are told, can you come over on the 7th of January? Like, how is that happening, Paul? How is that possible? Uh, well, look, unfortunately, um, the health system here is, uh, is you know, bursting at the seams, okay? Uh, and we're, we are sort of trying to help that because the more people that we can bring to Spain, the more people were taken off the waiting list here. And how it happens is we're a fully digitized company. So Dennis, um, Dennis Collar, are you still there, PJ? Yeah? I'm here, yeah, I'm just listening sorry, to sorry, you. Sorry, okay. sorry, my apologies. Um, so Dennis gives us a call up, or any patient gives us a call up. He, he'll get through to any one of the five of us on the team here that answer the phones. We'll have a quick chat with them. We'll find out what their ailments is, what their issues are, what their problems are. Say if it's a general one, like a, a hip or a knee, we then send them a consent form. We have to send them a consent form for GDPR. <clears throat> that allows us then to contact them, but also contact their GP and possibly a credit union if they need a credit union uh, loan. Yeah. So we get in contact with their GP. Okay, we get a referral letter, which is one of the first and most important documents that we require under the cross-border directive in order to get the refund. Get in touch with the GP. We also pay their GP for that referral. And we also ask the GP for some bloods, any medical history uh, in relation to that patient mm -hmm. and any medication. So we're building a file. Yeah. We do the all the heavy lifting. We do everything for them. So we get all the information from the GP. We then get in touch with the patient and we try and get up-to-date images or scans of the knee or the hip. If we have to send them for an x-ray, we go back to the GP, get him to give us a referral, and we send them off for a scan. Once we have that information, <clears throat> excuse me, we get back in contact with the patient and we say, okay, when would you like to travel? We pick a target date. <clears throat> excuse me. When they have a date that they wish to travel in mind, 
before they even get on a plane, we've issued and, and furnished them with all the information they need about their uh, about their uh, procedure and the surgery. What date they're going, what airport they're flying into, uh, they'll be collected, what hotel, where the hotel is, the hospital, the surgeon, all the costs, all the prices, everything will be sent to them in black and white before they even get on a plane mm-hmm. so they can make a decision. And obviously... All the information that we've gathered and collated about their medical history, we've sent that to the respective uh, surgeon in Spain, for argument's sake. He then has a much better picture of that patient before they walk in the door of his hospital. So they're not coming in the door green. You sure, have a really sure. good picture of oh, that yeah, patient. It's all set up. Right. What I'm getting at more, Paul, is how is it possible to be so efficient between Ireland and Spain? And there are fine hospitals and fine, fine doctors in this country, private ones I'm talking about now, why can't it be done here? Uh, I, I've no idea why it can't be done here. Why, how come we're so efficient? We have a really good team. We have a really good CRM system. We have we have good systems in place. We have good processes in place. Um, everything we do is about patient care. That's that's the foremost. That's our ethos is trying to get people fixed. Okay. Uh, a lot of our patients, including myself, I'm a, I'm a past pupil, as you might say. I had back surgery uh, with Chris with this company some years ago. We have a lot of people who have who have been through the ringer, as they say, who have been there before, working for us. So you're dealing with people who know and understand what it's like to be in pain. Sure. You're dealing with people that know that. I need an answer and unfortunately I can't get it here in Ireland but there is a directive like we're part of Europe for a reason this yes. is an EU directive this is available to everyone in Ireland and, and in, so simple, in, in simple terms my understanding of that directive Paul is that if I need a hip replacement or, or a knee replacement or any other one of the things that you do and there is a list on, on, your, on your website yep. if I can't get that here it will be provided for me abroad and paid for by the HSE under certain conditions. Yes. Yes, so there are some criteria and rules and regulations with the EU cross-border directives. The main ones being that the, the HSE will not refund you your price, the price of your uh, flights and accommodation, okay? Mm. But again... We help there. We'll, we'll, we'll let patients know when a good time to book their flights and get cheap flights. But also we have strategic partnerships with hotels very close to all our hospitals. And depending on what hospital you're going to and obviously time of year, um, at the moment you, you can get a, a four-star hotel, including breakfast, for €70 Euro per night. And again, if you want a family member or a companion or a loved one to travel with you, it goes up by €12 Euro to cover breakfast. Like, it, it's it's very simple from that point of view. Um for us to, to, to offer the services because we're bringing so many patients out on a weekly basis. So yes. we have good partnerships with a lot of hotels, obviously the hospitals. Um, so it's, uh, as you say, we do all the heavy lifting. We look after the patient from the moment they've decided to travel with us. When we send them the consent form, they become our patient and we look after them. How we does healthcare abroad then make its money, Paul? So yeah, that's another bit of a myth that people say. Oh, you know, I've had I've had both politicians and actually some GPs question that uh, we don't we don't charge the patient any money, nor do we charge the HSE any money. So how we make our money is we have forty six currently forty six hospitals on our books, so to speak. So we get an administration fee back from those hospitals. So we're okay. acting as those hospitals' uh, sales and marketing team. These are private hospitals. A lot of these hospitals are actually purpose built for the cross border directive. So they only take patients under the cross-border directive. So they have patients coming from Denmark, from Holland, from Ireland. That particular one in in Denia is is 
they nearly cut, they call it the Irish hospital in Spain. It's mostly Irish people in there, and then quite a lot of Dutch. But and there is some Spanish, but not a whole lot. Did you say forty six hospitals? We have, and that's growing. Um, we we always are trying to to add to our hospitals that we can. Uh, we try and find centres of excellence, or, or like endometriosis, for argument's sake, is a huge issue in Ireland. Yes, at the moment. it is. We're, we're currently in talks with a with a, with a certain hospital, um, that specialises in that, and we're hoping to be able to offer that to Irish patients, wow. Irish women, to women for women's health, in order for people to travel there. Now there are people travelling there already, but we're hoping to travel there, and uh, yeah. they will come under the the, the um, cross border direct. So it's well. the so we're hospital. Trying- it's the hospital that pays healthcare abroad. Yes, so the, that's why there's no hard sell from us. When a patient rings up to talk to us, it's about how they feel and how we can help them and how we can fix them and how we can get them back to a happy, healthy life. That's our ethos. So there's no hard sell here. I don't need to get the patients there. As I said, we represent so many hospitals. We can we can choose and pick which is the best hospital for the, for the patient for whatever procedure they require. So it's all about patient care. And hips and, and knees seem to be the most common one I hear about. Um, the hips, knees, cataracts, back surgery uh, would be probably the top four or five. Yeah. But there's there's any procedure that you can have on in the Irish healthcare system is actually covered under the cross border directive. Okay, so literally any procedure that you go into an Irish hospital for, you can actually have that in another European hospital. Now we've done all the, you say the heavy lifting. We've actually done more heavy lifting in behind that. We've gone to these hospitals. We've sent. Uh, our own doctors and GPs out to to make sure they fit the criteria under the cross-border directive. They have to be a certain type of hospital. They have to be an acute hospital in order to be used under the cross-border directive. And the other thing about that is that's why we guarantee 100% of patients that travel with us will get their refund because we've done all the homework. We have our systems and processes in place and we have some automated emails that go out to patients and even to ourselves to remind us, have we got this form? Have we got that form? There's quite a body of work, as you can imagine, with the HSC. There's quite an amount of paperwork required from, from the referral letter at the start to your, your itinerary, your boarding pass, all your receipts, your, right. your, your uh, hospital papers, your discharge papers, your clinical review papers. And then there's a couple of forms and documents with the credit with the um, HSE. And I also would like to mention and thank, to be honest with you, because it wouldn't be really feasible without the help of the credit unions. And they really are. They're a stalwart to the community that they help because without them, like these people that we bring over here don't have private health insurance, obviously for many different reasons. So they don't have the money to pay for these procedures, which you have to do under the cross-border directive. And thanks to the credit unions around the country who I deal with every day, they give a loan to the person that requires the surgery. The person then travels over, has the surgery, and the credit union get re- reimbursed. We, we actually have, have a nice system worked out where the credit union pay the hospital, say in Spain again, for argument's sake, directly by EFT, very clean, all traceable. The HSE then, we furnish the HSE with information for that person's uh, loan, spe- specific loan account. The HSE pay the money directly back into the into the credit union's loan account. Mm. So it's very clean. There's no third parties getting access to the funds. The HSE yeah. prefer it like that. Yeah. The credit unions yeah. obviously prefer it like that. It's all very electronic so all and all very very modern. Paul, what we did get last week was one or two calls that about the time it takes to get reimbursed. It's supposed to be, isn't it, 12 to 14 weeks? But I did have one woman yesterday who's been waiting, or last week rather, who's been waiting 24 weeks. It's not uniform. 
No, it's not. Uh, it, it, for many different reasons. It, they do say between 12 and 16, 12 and 14 weeks. Sometimes that does go, like we, and we do try and help patients in that way as well. Again, there's never any rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes the HSE will just say, you know, we're short-staffed, there's not many people on this week or whatever. But generally, generally the HSE are pretty good. They're in, they're in Kilkenny, they're in St. Canis and in Kilkenny, and they are pretty good. Again, they have to go through their due diligence. They have to go through all the forms. And, and stuff one by one for each person um, but sometimes yes it can unfortunately and un- again we have no control over that as yeah. well ourselves healthcare abroad no control over it but we do obviously try and help push it along if the patient's not to us they're missing this or they don't have that or they're looking for an extra bit of information you know we're on it straight away and, and to try and help them okay. but All generally right. generally speaking it does take about 16 weeks but like uh, BJ I travel there myself and um, when I had my back surgery I would have waited I would have remortgaged the house when people are in pain yes, that's and true. that's that's what you got to back to when people are in pain and I was only Anne O'Connell I heard her voice there I was talking to her last week she stopped taking painkillers she's able to walk around the kitchen and walk upstairs like and so many people stay in touch with me and, and the team here and, and yeah. it, like we nearly call it the Carlsberg job you know yeah. your first contact with a person they're in pain they're upset, they're crying, they've nowhere to turn to. Um, we're in a couple of months, they're back living their life. No. You know, they're out walking a very good like question, Dennis. a very good question that has come in from Elaine. What happens if a post-operative complication develops when I come back to Ireland? Okay, so under the guise of the EU cross-border directive, which you're travelling in, it's, it's an EU... Uh, led directive but you never actually leave the care of the HSE it's run and managed by the HSE so you never leave that you never leave the HSE so you can come back and go to your JP your GP or go to your hospital you know, whatever you need to do you you can you're still part of the HSE they're not going to turn you away and say no you've had an operation in Spain thank God touch wood we've never had that issue um, the surgeons the hospitals everyone we use in Spain are highly qualified uh, Dr mm-hmm. Lopez who does our hips and knee operations is an absolute genius um, he, he's phenomenal he's, do, he's done over 20,000 operations his experience is, 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 is second to none um, we've never had that issue people do come back here and they'll have to get dressing changes or they might have to get stitches out they just go back to their GP some people might need extra physio we also work, offer physiotherapy over there so people get 10 physiotherapy sessions in the hospital with it with a Sergio and his and his and his um, physio team. So they've been liaison with, with Dr. Lopez and they know exactly precisely what each patient can and can't do. So by the time you get back in the plane, you've already had 10 physio sessions in warm weather, which also helps the body heal. Yeah. So you're already you know, you're, you're on a there. good road to recovery. Yeah. You know, you're exactly you're halfway there. Yeah. Um, so you, you never leave the care of the HSE. If anything happens, it's not as if they say, "Oh no, that happened in Spain. We can't help you." It doesn't like that. And if it did, obviously we would bring someone back to Spain. We would take if they if they needed, we would bring them back over, get them looked at, get okay. them checked, get them fixed. Like uh, you know, I'm, we I'm, don't I'm, just abandon our patients. Sure, I'm looking at the list of what you do, and there's MRI scans, hysterectomies, gastric sleeves, tonsillectomies, shoulder procedures. There's a very long list, and it's on your website, healthcareabroad.ie. And the bariatrics, PJ, as well, just from the bariatrics point of view, we actually follow the uh, Galway Lock Ray scheme, which, you know, you hear people flying to Turkey and the like for, for gastric sleeves and stuff, which makes me cringe with worry because... One is not regulated over there. Secondly, the 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 Galway Lock Ray scheme that we follow, we get a diet, we get a we get a psych assessment, 
We get a dietitian involved a month before you travel. The dietitian also stays with you three to four weeks after you come home. So that's a plan. So anyone that's come over with us and had bariatric surgery, they have a much greater chance of it being a success because we're not just bringing people over, having them operated on, and then sending them on the plane the next day. It's about patient care. Okay. We look after them. We want this to be a success for you. All right. Paul, listen, good to talk to you. Paul Bourne, who is Chief Operations Officer of Healthcare Abroad. He's based in Dublin. Healthcareabroad.ie, www.healthcareabroad.ie is there website. They are, they do seem to be working miracles for people. Thank you, Paul. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM the Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Cork's Got Talent auditions will take place on Saturday, the 11th of March, in the Middleton Park Hotel from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. The auditions are open to all ages, with 12 acts and one wild card being put through to the final, which takes place on the 27th of May. Funds raised from the event will go towards Down Syndrome Cork. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Cork Diary with CorkSimon.ie because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96 FM. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Win your way there with Cork's 96 FM. To Grange. To Newton Court in Grange. Kira. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, PJ. How are you? Good. Have you seen him before? No, never. Would you like a trip to Vegas? I would absolutely love it. <laughs> Silly questions, is you. Well, it's five days. Uh, put you up in a nice hotel, put some money in your pocket, and tickets to see Dermot at the Chelsea at Col- Cosmopolitan on the 19th of May. You, you, you'd, work out, you'd work out the opportunity to get there. Who would you bring if you won? Oh, I... Probably bring my mum, I'd say. Good, 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 good. Okay. Well, let me see what we can do. Now, I, we have to go through the slot machine. And okay. sometimes it obliges and sometimes it doesn't. Would you like a Dermot question or a Vegas question? Um, give me a Vegas question. Give you a Vegas question. Let's yeah. see what the slot machine gives you, Kira. Hey, it says Vegas. You're in luck today. You're in luck today. All right. A lot of people get married in Vegas. You can get Elvis Presley to marry you in Vegas. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. How many people a day or how many weddings a day would you reckon there are in Vegas? The official figures say it's over 300. Would you reckon that that is true or is it false? Um, Is it true or false? I'm going to say... You'd be saying the right thing. Oh, brilliant. It is over 300 weddings a day in Vegas. Elvis is a busy, busy man. He is. (laughs) No wonder he departed the scene in 1977. He's about about 112 and he's still marrying people. (laughs) All right, Kira. Uh, Hopefully you and your mom from Newton Court and Grange heading off. You're in the draw now. Brilliant. Hopefully we'll do better than that later in the year and head you off, or see you heading off to 
see Dermot Kennedy live in Los Angeles in May. Kira, well done. You're through. Put your back to the lads so they can take any more details that they need. Simon will send another qualifier through today and so will Lorraine. We'll back to it again tomorrow, right through the week, sending qualifiers through to the final send some lucky li- what a prize like this is a humdinger of a prize you fly it to Vegas you spend five nights there swanky hotel mo- money in your pocket and tickets to see Dermot Kennedy at the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan on May the 19th more qualifiers throughout the day on Corks 96 FM join the conversation this is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Corks 96 FM Corks 96 FM is the official media partner of Cove Ramblers FC. This Friday night, Cove Ramblers take on Wexford FC at St. Coleman's Park. Kickoff is 7.45 p.m. The Street Fleet will be there supporting the team. So bring the family for a great night of football and fun. Tickets, see coveramblers.ie. With Cork's 96 FM. Come back to John's call. He was out yesterday to see a consultant at the clinic at uh, behind CUH, up there at the back of CUH, the private clinic, and he was very surprised to be asked for cash. He thought that they'd take card. Now, they told him that there, it was stated in his letter that they take cash or bank draft or check but he never saw that he but he was just wondering why they don't take card cash only might have something to do with the fact it's a private clinic on a public hospital campus so it'll probably have to be under the HSE not individual consultants you might think that but wherever you put the card payment you can work all these things out that's what we have computers for had a private consultation in CUH in November 300 quid 300 quid they only accept cash. Never stated on the letter either, says Tracy. I appreciate the same at the Mercy private clinic. Had to take my six-year-old there last year. It was payment by cash or bank draft only. They don't have card facilities, says Sinead. My husband's going for a consultant's appointment in the matter private. This consultant won't take cash. It's card only. My husband does not have a card. He also has to go in on his own, so I can't go with him. There are many, many more messages like that. Uh, Here's one at the top. It says, without singling out any other private business or any business at all, I'd have to say I think this aversion to cards is down to tax compliance or the lack of it. I went to a dressmaker only yesterday. She told me she wouldn't give me a receipt. I'm a taxpayer. I don't like that. Even worse, I was up in Dublin recently with my kids. It was raining there. They were tired and hangry. Three cab drivers turned us down as we wanted to, We didn't want to pay cash, we wanted to pay by card. And they're supposed to be set up for cards now. Ain't that the truth? We had a message from a serving Garda about some of the difficulties they're having at the moment. I think it would be fair to let that one breathe a bit and we'll read it in the next hour rather than be trying to slam it in this side of the news, if that would be okay. But we still have stuff coming in on the guards and disturbances and all of this. Like Bernie says there has to be some investigation into how this happened last night. 
how it was coordinated, who the ringleaders were. It didn't just happen out of nowhere. This one up in Nocturnehini last night. And to be honest, there has to be an element of fear among the guards too. You'd hardly blame them. Let's have some sympathy for them. I think things should be done so it's not such a stressful and dangerous job for them. Oh, Bernie, and I've said this before, I would give every guard a taser. I would give every guard, just a small one, not these big, huge, batten things, but just that I'd give them a taser. and say, use it whenever you feel you're in danger. And I make no apology for saying that. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Yeah, we had a message to the programme from a serving Garda. Unfortunately, serving members of the Garda Shikana are not permitted to um, speak to us on air. It's different in the UK, actually. A serving cop in many parts of the UK can go on uh, local radio or any radio once they change their name and don't say what station they're in and all that kind of thing. You can do it over there, but you can't do it here. So we've had a serving guy that contact us with a few, to, just to respond to one or two of the issues that people have been raising any chance, Fergal, you might just print that particular one for me rather than I read it off the screen because I'll lose it and forget it if I'm moving it up and down the screen. Thanks for that. We will come back to it, though. It's interesting. It's a very interesting response. It's always important to get the response of the guards, having been discussing them and their work now since Friday and various elements of it. And some calls have been very critical. Some calls have been very supportive. I would always say that as the proud son of a guard, uh, who wore the, the, the uniform with pride, even though it was a long time ago. Dad retired in, from the guard in, in, guards in 89, but you know he lived to be 81, and he kept in touch with how the guard, guard the Shikana was being run, right up, right up until the very end of his life. And we often talked about the, the situation and how it was like the difference between being a guard when he was a guard and, and being a guard now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a guard now for all the money in Ireland. I, I wouldn't, just wouldn't. But that serving guard sent us a message and we will read it for you before we finish today 0818 96 96 also got sent a letter that was sent to the editor of the Southern Star and it does fall into the same context here thanks for that however total change of tack for a while would you know if I told you or when I asked you what what it would conversion therapy be would you know what conversion therapy is? Sometimes they call it reparative therapy. Other people just call it gay cure therapy. There is this demented belief out there among some people that you can cure a person's sexual orientation or sexual identity. That if your son or your daughter or your brother or your sister or your uncle or your cousin is gay, that there are people out there who can make them better. Or if they want to identify as a different gender than, you know, what they were born, then there is someone out there who can cure them of that. There's a lot of prayer involved in this, but in extreme form, it can be very, very nasty and uh, very difficult. And we've got some contact in the last while to say to us, would you ever look into this, lads? Because conversion therapy is still going on in real life here in Cork which is quite shocking. Uh, 
Padraig Rice, who I've spoken to before, uh, more than once, is of LGBT Ireland and formerly the Cork Gay Project. Um, Padraig, good morning. Good morning, PJ. I thought this stuff went out long ago. We got sense and brains, but it hasn't. Yeah, un- unfortunately not. Um, unfortunately, we know what is happening today and it continues. Um, the government uh, actually just released a report last Friday. So this report was commissioned by academics who are working in Trinity College Dublin, uh, commissioned by the government and published. And they document um, in extensive detail the kind of the, what, what people have been put through. And, and they have a, a wide range of participants over a number of years, um, detailing really harrowing situations and, and, and really, really impact on people um, who been put through this process in order to try to change their sexual orientation or their gender identity and, and as you as you say like I, I often compare it to, to trying to change someone's height like you, like you could stretch someone and pull them but you're not going to change their height but you're just going to damage and hurt them in the process and and that's what this does to people it really damages and hurts them and has a real impact on them um, their health and their outcomes and and the research on Friday backs that up and it just says that this doesn't work it's ineffective but also putting people through this is associated with like really poor mental health outcomes, depression, isolation, and as far as suicide. And, and, and people, they gave their own testimony. And it's really, it's it's a harrowing read. They they talk about it being traumatizing, destructive, damaging. Um, and people said they were kind of left with with wounds that they're still trying to heal and that damaged their self esteem, their health. Mm. Um, and you might have seen on Friday the Irish Times reported one person who was put through twelve year old put through electric shock treatment. It's an awful account. <laughs> It, it's almost as if they treat sexual orientation, and let's just deal with that element of it. We we'll leave mm. the gender identity maybe for another day, but let's t- talk about the, the the sexual orientation of a part. They leave they, they they treat that almost as if it's an illness. Yeah, and that's that's where it's kind of rooted in. It's rooted in 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 this belief that there's something wrong, or that there's shame, or there there there's this kind of yeah, that's kind of the assumption that's based that that this is wrong and that they can change it. And 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 we know that that's not the case. You know, we've we've come such a long way in terms of our understanding around um, sexual orientation and that there's a huge diversity and everybody's different. And but there are people out there who still hold this belief that that there's only one kind of preference type and they, they try to change people to make everyone mm. heterosexual. And I'd, I'd say to the, the people who are heterosexual at home listening, like, do you think your sexual orientation can be changed? It can't, you know. It is. Um, but that's that's where it's coming from. It's rooted from these kind of historic beliefs around yeah. around sexual you, orientation. And a lot of, there's a lot of shame and, and associated with it as well. Have you met people who've been through this, Patrick? So, yeah, so we've... Um, in my new role in LGBT Ireland, I coordinate a campaign group um, with various people um, and various NGOs, and we've been campaigning on this. Uh, the campaign launched last year, looking for this, looking for the government to ban it and, and the government to commit it to it, and we're kind of holding them to it. Um, but as part of that, yeah, we've come in contact with people, um, but 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 kind of few. I think I think in the report kind of that was out last week, met even more people and interviewed them. Um, and yeah, and people just talk about kind of doing real damage and taking a long time to heal from it. And um, like what, what kind of things? What kind of things would be would be done? Would a person be put through? It, it kind of varies, and it's kind of this wide spectrum. And, and some of us, as as you say, is kind of so called therapy. It's kind of like deep kind of talk therapy, but trying to tell people that this is wrong and that they can change it. And um, 
and, and it goes as far then as, as there's historic cases of kind of people have been given medication to um, to suppress their, their sexual orientation or so-called to try to, to suppress their sexual orientation. And we, we heard cases of electric shock treatment and then there was kind of extreme religious cases as well. So it, it kind of, it's a wide range of, of different things, but it, it's the, the, the one common feature is that they're all trying to do the same thing. They're trying to change somebody's um, yeah. sexual orientation. Because you, you I, I, I flinched twice there when you mentioned electric shock therapy because mm. f- for years a, a dear friend of mine who's no longer with us um, John John McCarthy always wanted to campaign against the giving of shock therapy without mm. a person's consent I'm not certain yeah. if that ever was done away with but but it's a terrible terrible thing to do to someone particularly without their without their consent and this, this, was, this was a 12 year old who was just coming to terms just oh, starting God to almighty. identify their sexual orientation and yeah, but, but there is, yeah how can honest. he consent like how the hell can he consent yeah. and no one can really consent to the kind of the torture that, that people have been put through you know and, <laughs> and we the, the positive in it is we think we're calling on the government to, yeah it to comes that. under Roderick O'Gorman doesn't it Padraig has he expressed yeah. a, has he expressed a view on it yeah, so Roger um, has, has said that he's supportive. Um, he's supportive of, of introducing a ban, and hopefully we'll, we'll get that later this year. And, and we're kind of we're trying to hold them to that commitment, and it, it's in there in the program for government. But we want to see that happen, and mm. we wouldn't be the first country to do it. There's 14 countries now who have outright bans, including Malta, Germany, France, and Greece. So there's there's a range of countries who have have yeah. done this. And what, what, the what, UN what, have been really strong in this as well. Good. What would pers- well, what one would perceive as a difficulty with the ban is it's not like okay, we prescribe medicine X, so we ban medicine X. Mm. There's such a range of things that come under a large umbrella of so-called, I'll use the word so-called conversion therapy. There's such a range of things come under that banner. Yeah, absolutely. But I think part of it is, is we have to send out a strong signal and we have to have important discussions like this. And thanks for raising it. But just to send out the signal and to, to, to set out that, that this isn't acceptable and this is something that the state says is wrong and shouldn't be happening. But I suppose the, the other side of it then that we're working with is some of the kind of professional bodies who work with uh, therapists and, and other professional bodies so that in their codes of practice that they that they, when they set out the kind of the rules and, and how they operate, that they also include this. So there is kind of a few different strands uh, to us that we can um, that, that we can tackle this from a number of angles. And I think the getting the Oireachtas to to say that this is this is banned and shouldn't be happening, that was one step. But then we'll also be working with professionals and others, um, and to ensure that it, it happens. And so a name springs to mind: um, U.S. politician, man called. You'll remember him, many listeners will. Mike Pence, did did he have a stance mm. on this? He was a vice president. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I, one, one, one president, a different president who had a very strong stance on this is Mary McAleese. And she, she spoke out on this in 2018, she really, did. really strong. And she said, this has done untold damage. And the quote that, that always kind of haunts me from, from that interview is she said, I have followed the coffins of young men who've been put through bogus conversion therapy and that's the piece that always yes. that always stood to me. And, and somebody of that stature wouldn't be quick to make comments like that. And she said mm. really strongly that, that this needs to be tackled. And, and also... She a a highly accredited constitutional well. lawyer she is too. Absolutely, yeah. And, and the piece on religion, I think, is, is worth tackling because I think that's kind of where sometimes you, you get some, some interesting arguments. But the report that came out last week was really clear on this kind of balance of rights. And they said that, like... You have your right to religious belief, and that's protected under international human rights law. And that, that right to religious belief is, is strongly protected. But you do not have the right to inflict harm on others based mm. on that belief. 
Yeah. You, you cannot inflict the harm based on that belief. Uh, and, and the UN, there's a special rapporteur, and he's been very clear on this, on, on, on the his UN rapporteur for freedom of religion. And he says, you have a right to your free religious belief, but you do not have the right yeah. to inflict harm based on those beliefs. And yeah. I think I think that needs to be kind of, yeah. that, that side of the argument needs to be tackled uh, and knocked on its head as well. There are many people of, of deep faith who would believe that to be gay or to be lesbian and to, is, is to commit a sin. There are many mm. people who believe that. It's it's... It's their belief, they, like you say, they're entitled, but they're not allowed to treat someone negatively on the basis of that belief. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and definitely not not to, not to the extent that we, that we're hearing reports of it and the, the harm. And so yeah, so, so people can believe what they like, but it doesn't allow them to to to, mm. to, to do untold did, damage did, did, and did harm people. Did you meet somebody who was told oh, he should do more masculine things, like go to matches and have pints with his dad? So that, that was one of the research, not myself now, but that was in, in the research report. Um, one of the researchers uh, met somebody who was, who was told that, yeah, and that, that, would, that would somehow fix his sexual orientation if he just kind of, um, yeah, became a bit more masculine. That was one of the, one of the ones. And, and other people are just told outright by, by therapists that they're, they're not believed and that's not a thing and that they're wrong. And that they're, <laughs> I, can, um, I can just imagine the number of, of people, dads and sons, who go to rugby matches in the course of a Six Nations and, and they, you know, son is gay and he's as big a rugby fan as his dad and he's mm. out and he's proud and his dad is so proud of his son. That's an abhorrent thing to think, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's um, and sports has become so inclusive as well. Yeah. It's the, like the plus side in, in Cork, there's, there's the new Hellhounds um, That's right. LGBT rugby club and they're thriving and there's loads of loads of guys um, from Cork who are involved in, in LGBT sports and we've got the Frontrunners Running Club and the Hell or the, the soccer team and there's, lo- there's thriving uh, sports teams. And so these stereotypes are also really old-fashioned and really yeah. out of date, like to kind of assume that... That, that there aren't gay and bisexual men mm. taking part in sports and engaging in sports and yeah. doing all these other things. So we do all of these things and um, very full, rich life. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's it's absurd stuff. And it's but the trouble is it's some often people in authority telling people these, and often it's people who are are distressed about their sexual orientation and being told that oh it can be changed if you just do this or you do that or if you take this medication if you go through this treatment. Um, yeah. And people often believe it, and then when their sexual orientation doesn't change, they become very distressed and they become isolated, um, and it does more harm. And, it, and not, it, not to single not, out one faith in particular, but Scientology seems to have very strong views on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure on that. Um, yeah. But I th- yeah, I think there's there's a there's a range of uh, of different religions who who do have strong yeah. views on it. But what I would say to people is, is there there is alternatives to like if there is anybody listening who is distressed or worried about their sexual orientation like there is places to to reach out to um like in lgbt ireland we have a national uh, helpline so we run a, a free helpline number which is 1800 929 539 and people can phone our helpline if, if they found any of this distressing uh, and get get support and there's also peer support groups uh, and in cork city we've got the gay project and link and there's loads of community groups and community supports and and lots of ways, positive ways people can, can engage and, and get kind of peer support uh, and kind of if they are struggling with their sexual orientation that they can come to terms with it. And I think we do have that long way to go on the on the bigger picture, like like to eliminate bullying and discrimination and because and it's all kind of tied up and rooted together. Um, and we've done, we've come a very long way, but there still is there still is more to go and Absolutely. we even see you know here people being you know, still being gay bashed and beaten up in the streets and oh, stuff. Oh, look, it. poor old David Babbington, who I'm sure you know. Yeah, so it's um, 
there's there's a lot to be done, but we're making progress. But it, there's there's still way to go, and I think sure. one of the key steps is is, is to, to to outlaw conversion therapy would be one of the steps we need to do, and then also one of the other things we're working on at the moment is the hate crime legislation, and yeah. we're hoping to see that that pass soon. That's a well, piece of work for he's us. He's hoping that Roderick O'Gorman comes good on this one and completely bans anything that could be construed as conversion therapy because it is just barbaric. And that's a wonderful quote from former President. Uh, Mary McAleese, uh, herself a, a constitutional lawyer of international renown. 0818 for <coughs> more information or help or indeed for support. Just apropos of nothing, I've written this down uh, and it's got nothing to do with what I've just been talking but if I don't Say it, I'll forget it. I'm watching this thing with fierce interest. I don't know if you are. It's this, my daughter sent it to me at the weekend. It is this woman, she's Polish, and she's turned up on social media. Instagram had started, but I think it's gone across all the other usual ones now as well. This woman who believes she is Madeleine McCann. And I had written it down on a piece of paper and turned over my page and there it is at the top mentioned Maddie. Is anyone following that? The Madeleine McCann, a woman in Poland who believes she is Madeleine McCann and she's reaching out to Kate and Jerry to know can she have a DNA test to prove whether she is or she isn't Madeleine McCann. I just... Stopping down for a second to mention it, where it's going to go, no one knows. She hasn't given any interviews, I don't think. She has done some live instas and stuff like that. But it's a certainly a very, very strange one. It's Pancake Tuesday, Cues are forming, I'm told, at Gino's, Dela- Gino's Gelato on Oliver Plunkett Street. Complimentary pancakes for the day that is in it. Uh, yes, thanks to Joe for that bit of information. Although, you see, with me now, it isn't the ice cream and the sweets and the bananas and the strawberries that I'd want to be putting into my pancake this Shrove Tuesday. I would like a pancake with chicken curry in it. I know, I know, I know. I'm a sick puppy. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June By running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Dermot Kennedy Live in Las Vegas May 19th So kiss me the way Win your way there With Cork's 96 FM Paradise just the most beautiful support from home, so thank you so much. Return flights. Five nights in Vegas. Spending money. And tickets to see. Dermot Kennedy. We used to be jazz. Listen to Cork's 96FM weekdays for the hits of Dermot Kennedy. Every time they play, text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Once upon a time, I was something to someone. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Stay listening to see him for free. Thank you for the support of this music. Only on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Uh, speaking of strange things on Instagram, that uh, Madeleine McCann girl in Poland who thinks she's Madeleine McCann is one thing. Have you seen 
and more more partly have you heard Mr Chicken I promise before the end of the week I'll pull something from Mr Chicken have you seen Mr Chicken on Instagram it is the daftest craziest most utterly ridiculous and yet one of the funniest things I've ever seen I mean ever Myself and the Queen Bee were going through some of the videos last night of Mr. Chicken and we threw our heads back and laughed. It's just brilliant. Have a look, you'll find it, Mr. Chicken. 0818 96 96 96. We'd like to talk about weird collections on the opinion line from time to time. We're talking to Christine on Friday. She has five over 100 different pairs of shoes, including things like Melona, what's his name, and Jimmy Choo's and all those things. And she wears them too. All of them. Trish, you were listening and you sent us a picture. 500 bottles of single malt whiskey. And in a moment, I see a bottle of the best vodka ever made, Grey Goose. Morning. Oh, do you want it? <laughs> I love I this stuff. I hate the stuff. Do you? <laughs> yeah, ugh, it's vile. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I hate it. You can have it. I'll send it with Brenda. <laughs> um, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's got rather a lot of um, single malts and limited editions and first editions, and they've got their own insurance in case something what? happens. Yeah, because if you think of if you had your house insurance, yeah. you know, there's like a you have to pay what's it called? Like the first so much. And then if you had to do that for per bottle, you wouldn't get a claim. So there's whiskey specialists that do um, insurance, and it's only about three fifty a year. Right, and three your three pounds fifty, I take it. In, in three for three hundred and fifty. Three hundred and fifty. Oh, per bottle or per lot for the collection? No, no, for the lot. For the oh, collection. good. Okay. Yeah. And when do they start yeah. collecting? I'd say, well, it's Scotland's fault. We were up for an Ireland-Scotland game at Murrayfield. Right. And that flipping street that has all the perfect little whiskey shops. I know it, I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he went in there. <laughs> and that was about that was about 20 years ago, yeah. yeah. He oh, went in there and he... He's got everything. There's Celtic centenary in there. There's a first edition of Dingle and, yeah, and everything. They, they, the, the single malts, and they come out and they can be... Has he got Middleton very rare in there, for example? No. Yeah, that's, that's like hen's teeth. I think, I think it's like a cork thing. <laughs> He's from Kerry, so I don't think he'd buy oh, yeah. it. That, well, if someone yeah. gave him a bottle of no, Middleton no, very he's rare... The first, He's 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 very particular. He it, he's got the dingle, and the dingle is delicious. It right. really is delicious. Obviously, not the very. I know first dingle one, gin, but I don't know dingle whiskey. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't touch the stuff, but yeah, it's very nice. And he puts it in his perfect hunting cup pewter chalice that he oh, got in the wa- water. Excuse me. Oh yeah, I'm married to a snob. It's like something out of Game of Thrones here with his pewter yeah, cup. Yeah, he got it in the ward for Crystal Factory, and it's lovely. It's called a hunting cup, right. and it's got all these little animals on it and everything. It's really pretty. But, yeah, he drinks it out of the hand. It's very particular. And if he likes one, then he goes and buys another one. Yeah. And does he mm. keep... Are there any there that are treasured possessions that he would never so much as sniff? Yeah, Queen Mary, the ship. 
be quaint. Queen Mary's ship, he wouldn't touch that. And he wouldn't touch the jingle first barrel one. <laughs> and there's some... Um, that one that he bought in Scotland, he paid 190 quid for it then. And he's never opened it? No, he tasted it, you see. He <sighs> tasted it in the shop. That's <laughs> how they get you. That's how they get you. They get you to taste it, and then you get a line. And I go, how much was that? And he goes, oh, 70 quid. Then the credit card bill comes in. I must think I'm daft, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He works hard for his money. I'm sure he does. Sure. Yes, yes, 500 yes. bottles of single malt whiskey. Yeah, well, he's, he, I'm not too sure anybody will beat that off, one. No, he's off to Italy Thursday, so he better not bloody well bring any of them back from there. Are there, is there the did they make whiskey in Italy? I didn't know. I don't know. Well, Japan they do. We've got a Japanese one. What? You know, it's not very nice. It's more a bourbon-y. Right. You know, like if you've ever tasted Jack Daniels, it's like yes. that. It's not good. Yeah, it's not nice. No. Hi, come here yeah. while I have you there, Trish. How mm-hmm. are things these days? Cost of living, state of the place, seven years on from seven years on from Brexit and it still isn't properly done, as they say. What's the, what's the, how are things over there? Fine. You only find Fine. out so much on the radio, like. Yeah, I mean, we'll put it this way. I was quite shocked when we went to Kalani last November and seen the price of things there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Very, a lot, dear. Especially when you go to Spain and you see the comparison, you know, the euro and everything like that. It mm. was meant to be all compatible. But, you know, you'll always get the people who are, what would I say? You know, they, they're, they're, always down, they, they're always down on their luck. They can't catch a break. And mm. they, they find it, you know, really, really difficult and mm. stuff like this. And then... You get our lovely mayor giving everyone free school meals and yeah. then char- then charging the parents to drive their That's children right. to I'm school. That's right. I'm listening to that one. I'm listening to that Can one. Can you imagine, make imagine, sense of it? Imagine 12 quid every day you come into Cork. They wouldn't last long in office. But it's, it's, it's everywhere. And you have, you have children that would go to school in one London borough and live in another London borough. They Parents don't want dark mornings and everything. The kids standing at the bus stops, even though the buses are free, sure. they don't want them standing at the bus stops, so they'll drive them. And their car might not be compliant. So it's that sort of thing that gets on people's go. Oh, sure, it does. And energy, electricity, gas, what's that like? Well, my one, my one, we're British Gas and we pay quarterly. And the last one in December, it was 130 for the gas and the electricity was 96. That's not bad, Trish. I know. That's what I kept saying. I'm going, what's this bloody Martin Lewis talking about? I dropped, I dropped a grand on my energy in, in, in January. Oh, God. No yeah. way. Well, but nearly 900, yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh wow. God! No, and and then like the electricity. Then we got the ninety six. So, so it was ninety eight. Then plus ninety six, which we got off Rishi. Um, so what was that? One hundred. So it's still coming in three hundred and something, isn't it? Under three hundred quid for a quarter. That's not too bad at all. That's not yeah. too bad. At all. But I think people with those meters, they think they get they get stung. Yeah, all the prepays. Oh, there mm. Yeah, Kevin just sent us a, a lot of stuff from his meter. The, the prepaid meters yeah. are just eating cash. Trish, always good to catch up with you. You too, my and, love. And All right. Keep, keep, it, keep, that, keep that great goose for me. If you don't like it, I'll drink well, it. Thank you. I, 
we know. We, well, I might send her back with the mutual. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Trish. Thanks. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six nine. How does anybody not like Grey Goose vodka? Oh eight one eight. Oh God, stop it! I'm, I'm thrown back. But come here. Talk about strange things. Did you see the aircraft yesterday? We got videos of this. We were gone off the air. And we started getting videos of this huge German aircraft flying low over the city. It was a Luftwaffe A400M Atlas, a four-engine military turboprop, an absolutely huge thing. The Department of Foreign Affairs issued a statement to say that it these things require diplomatic clearance for overflights and for landing in Irish sovereign airspace by foreign state and military aircraft. This was flying very, very, very low over Cork Airport. At one point, people thought it was going to land, but it didn't. Diplomatic clearance says the DFA is subject to strict conditions, which include stipulations the aircraft must be unarmed, carry no arms, ammunition or explosives, must not engage in intelligence gathering, that the flights in question must not form part of military exercises or operations. The Department of Foreign Affairs received information from the requesting embassy in advance of this training over flight, confirming it met these conditions. Now, Kevin Bourne is a retired lieutenant colonel with the Irish Air Corps, and he now is an auditor of airport safety and security, and he joins me. Uh, for an expert view on this. Kevin, uh, thanks for being with me on, on the show. It was certainly certainly an unusual flight or an unusual thing to see over the city yesterday. Good morning. As you said, an A400M Atlas, it came from Wunstorf Air Base in Germany from the Air Transport Wing 62 and it's a huge aircraft as you rightly point out. The wingspan is 139 feet so it's one of the larger of the transport aircraft and from that point of view it's a little bit unusual because believe it or not before COVID it was not uncommon for lots of military aircraft to fly in and through our airspace having booked their diplomatic clearance in advance Mm -hmm. but they're usually smaller aircraft usually maybe uh, small twin turboprops or the executive type jets that would go unnoticed in different airports around the place and uh, the Air Corps was doing it and still does it in various airports in Europe and uh, and other airports, uh, other air forces do it as well. A reciprocation like the Portuguese, the Royal Air Force do it sometimes. We've seen French, German, Italian and indeed the Royal Navy and US US forces as well. And it's it's done in advance. There's nothing secret about it. It's not to do with NATO or any of that kind of stuff. It's routine training flights because sometimes they, they bring aircraft in and out. They bring stuff to their embassies and we do training flights in their airspace in Europe. And it's been going on for years. It did stop more or less be because of COVID, but it's, it's back in, in action okay. now. Okay. The, the unusual part is the size of the aircraft. I've never seen one of these things except at the air bases, you know, the air shows in Europe and so forth. Yesterday's flight took off in, in Wunstorp, as I said. I think it did a touch and go or a couple of circuits at um, a place called Fairford, which is a US airbase in the middle of Gloucestershire in the UK. And then it flew across and it did an approach to Cork. I'm not sure if the wheels touched the ground or not. It certainly did an instrument landing approach, which means it would look very big when it popped out of the cloud. And yes. I've seen the video. So it, it's unusual too because it's got... It's got uh, propellers, which have got eight blades on each side, you know, so it's, it's quite uh, unusual noise. You'd hear a rumble, so you would. Uh, and um, it, it'd be dominant. Uh, and people, I presume, just saw it, and, and it wasn't the usual aircraft coming into Cork, so that's what it was about. And as far as I know, it flew back. Uh, if it didn't land in Cork, it went back to Vunstorf, and then and, and they had their dinner or whatever they do, you know. Yeah. So... 
they do train on this aircraft in um, the simulator, which I think is in Seville, where the aircraft is made. But really, to keep your crews current, you have to fly, uh, you know, so many flying hours that are real through cloud and yes. touch and go and landing and all that kind of thing. And I presume to pick Cork because it's a lovely place to go. It's the most friendly airport if you can only stop and have a cup of coffee or whatever, yeah. which is what I did the last time. It will an awful lot bigger, Kevin, than anything commercial yeah, or anything yeah. that would normally come near Cork Airport. And I think when it came down so low and in there over Bishopstown, Wilton, correct me if I'm wrong, there is a, a flight path in there to yes, the airport. There is, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, it, it was enormous though. Yeah, and it would it would cause it's not the usual Ryanair or your Aer Lingus flights or whatever it might be, and because of its shape and size and colour and so forth, it's a very large military transport as you rightly point out. The wings are on the top. The noise would have been you know attractive in its own way. It would have caused you to, to look at it, and uh, you know it's designed to carry thirty two metric tons. So it's the kind of thing that the Germans are flying, believe it or not, to Turkey out of Germany with supplies for the people who suffered in the earthquake and that kind of thing. Mm. It's perfectly good too to cross the Atlantic, although it won't carry the full 32 tonnes, so it'll fly non-stop and the, I'm not sure if the one yesterday had it, but you can plug in to the front of it a flight refuelling probe, so it flies on behind other aircraft, you can top up the tanks as it were, and fly for 14 or 15 hours, so it's, it's well versed in flying, I'm sure they used to fly it, uh, back and forth to um, Afghanistan when they get German forces stations This is the thing, you put trucks and tanks and Yes, absolutely, That's what it, was. it was designed to be bigger than the C-130 Hercules and the Transall aircraft which were used in Germany, and then um, it sold quite well, even though there were some um, reservations about the cost of it. The Germans have it, as we obviously saw. The Spanish have it, the French, the Royal Air Force in the UK have it. Uh, I'd forgotten that the Malaysians and the Indonesians want it as well. They have a couple of them. And the Kazakhstan Air Force is buying it and they're getting it to us in next year. So there is a huge interest in, in the distance it flies. Also, it takes off and lands. It can take off and land in a field, believe it or not. Wow. It has the capability of short takeoff and landing. But you know, that wasn't necessary yesterday. Pretty, um, pretty skilled pilots involved in yes, this, Kevin. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you, you, you would have to be at, at your, what's the word, at the leading edge, I suppose, of yeah. the flying like that. And the simulator will do certain things. It's very, very useful. But you really have to clock up the hours at the controls flying aircraft, yeah. you know, in and out of civil airports. And I don't know why Cork has done, but it is, as you pointed out, there was um, a need for diplomatic clearance in advance. That's well done. And it, it was just something the military, we used to look at it in the Air Corps, you know, have a look and see who's coming in and out. Many of the aircraft do come in and out of Baldonnel uh, from time to time because it's a military base and there's no yeah. cost in involved as such. Um, but there was a faux pas on behalf of the US Air Force. I think it was 2018. It does say you don't bring weapons or ammunition or that kind of thing. A reserve unit brought a C-130 Hercules into Shannon and parked it. Unfortunately, it wasn't the transport version. It was an attack version, an AC-130, and it had uh, three cannons sticking out the uh, left-hand side of the fuselage. 105mm artillery gun, believe it or not, fits the aircraft, and two 40mm cannons. And in Shannon, as you know, there are people who don't like that kind of thing, so they rightly pointed out. And the ambassador and the defence attaché were embarrassed by the fact that an armed aircraft was left there for the weekend Mm. for people to see it. You (laughs) You can imagine, yeah, people getting their their extras in a twist over that. So very very lastly, and very briefly, Kevin, brief, there was absolutely nothing, you can imagine, with a war on 
as you were in Ukraine and Russia and other yes, indeed, people yeah. are worried. There was nothing untoward, there was nothing to worry about, it was just a fella being A trained. routine training flight, it's just unusual that you'd notice it because the aircraft was one of the biggest ones they had in service, so that's what caused the attention. You know, it came out of the clouds, you could see it and hear it, and it wasn't the usual thing to see in Cork, so that's all it was. I all wouldn't right. worry about it. it. It went home again, and it's, it's safely back in Germany. Alright, listen, Kevin, thank you for your expertise. That's uh, Kevin Bourne, he's a retired Lieutenant Colonel with the Irish Air Corps. Right, let me read this and then we want to talk about pancakes. And I'm going to find out if I am actually a pervert for the kind of pancakes that I like, because I think I might be. Because I've had no one else come in and say, um, PJ, I also like chicken curry <laughs> in, my, in my pancakes. But talking about the guards since yesterday and Friday and right through this morning and not seeing them in the street and how quickly they get to something or don't get to it and where are the guards when you want them is always the question that people ask. Now this was sent in to us by a person who signs themselves as a serving Garda and we must accept them at their word for that, that they are a serving Garda and when you read the language of the message I think you'll, you'll, you'll agree with me that it definitely is someone who knows what they're talking about. So, PJ, an operation exa- an operational example of what a sergeant faces in a station. Out of a unit of 10 members, he may only have seven or eight available at any one time due to, say, leave or sickness. He needs two in the car responding to calls, two in the van picking up public order or making prisoner transports. He needs one in the public office. He needs one looking after prisoners who must be checked every 15 minutes and documents kept. One or two on bikes because it's safer if they're on their own. He cannot allow any member to stay in and get on top of mountains of paperwork because he will be disciplined. This is why stuff takes so long, I suppose, to get into the system. Every sergeant would love to have Gardaí on the beat, but it is seldom possible to have them do so. And that is sent in to us by uh, Serving Garda. 0818 96 96 96. On Healthcare Abroad, Billy. Hi, this is Billy. You were talking to my pal Dennis. He's the chap that went to Spain for his knee operation. Yeah, yeah. Just listening to yourself and Paul Bourne about Healthcare Abroad. It was brilliant. The one thing everyone says when they come out of the surgery is... My pain is gone. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. So if I remember correctly, the, the, the tradition behind Shrove Tuesday was that you used up all the nice things in the house, all the sugar and the fruit and the sweets and all those kind of, and the eggs and everything else. So you'd go into the whole 40 days of Lent and there was nothing left in the house or the fridge or the press or the cupboard to tempt you. Now, maybe that's all gone behind us, but people will still chow down on tons of pancakes and pancake mixes this evening. Um, I, persona loves eggs. I used to never touch them. But Jack O'Keefe, a few years ago, somebody introduced me to the savoury side of the business and I would love a chicken curry pancake. Am I a pervert? Good morning. <laughs> That's my way of starting it off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're fairly weird now. I'm not going to lie. No, I look like this. You'd be shocked. Like, well, all 
the, the, um, I don't know if the listeners like it, that's there's actually a name behind the curry pancake. It's a if I if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I've been wrong once before. I, I think it's called the roti. Right. Um, and it's an Indian style of pancake, and it's absolutely delicious. Just remove the sugar from your normal Irish pancake recipe, that's right. and just replace it with salt and some like cumin, coriander, even garam masala. <gasps> it's epic. It's actually yeah. class. It's like um, you know the way we I lo- I always go on about doner kebabs mm-hmm. all the time, like loaded up with garlic mayo and chili sauce. But like, <laughs> you imagine a curry flavor pancake yeah. with like a chicken tikka masala or a butter chicken curry in the centre of it, all rolled up good and tight, and you're just falling around the streets of um, Washington Street. At four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> nothing better. <laughs> but no, look, I love pancakes. Like in fairness, growing up, it was—I think it was like I nearly preferred Pancake Tuesday to Christmas. Like even from a, I'd say a four-year-old, they were—they were looking at me going, "He's de- yeah, he's a good eater. He's definitely either going to be obese or a chef." <laughs> <laughs> but we we are very sweet-mouthed in Ireland and in Cork in particular. Like you say, sugar in the mix. Why? It's it's perfect without oh. it. You can sweeten it up afterwards. Ah, but you look, as Irish people, we're very bitter, so we need a bit of sugar to kind of sweeten us up a little bit. Um, but oh, I just love pancakes, PJ. I just, they're classic. I'm just literally after finished, uh, I'm after doing two pancake, live pancake demonstrations here in a row. It's like one of those crazy, if you're a chef, one of those crazy days of the year where um, you have to just whip out a lot of demos and pretend you know what you're doing. Mm. But like my favourite thing is the classic Irish pancake. It's Which is? 200 grams of plain flour, just 200 grams of plain flour. 200 grams of full fat milk, 25 grams of sugar and one egg. Beat it up, let it rest in the fridge for 15, 20 minutes and then start cracking through pancakes. And that amount of batter is going to make you 10 good skinny pancakes. I don't like these puffy American style ones. Joe, if I wanted to eat a load of bread, i just get a load of bread. The one that looks like a Frisbee. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it needs you know, to be... What they're yeah. good for is make a dog-friendly version and use it with the dog instead so she can play fetch and eat it at the same time. <laughs> What's your own particular favourite filling? Uh, don't don't judge me here now, right? Hey, listen, I, I, you I, got I, something I to go on my chicken people. curry, you know. I'm down to art, but wait till you hear this. Go go into the shop and get some twelve frere rochers. You what? Open them. Yeah, cut them into quarters into little frere rocher wedges. What? After you flip your pancake over in the pan, you know, and when the last side is down on the pan, you then get your frere rochers. And you crumble them between your fingers and you put like a lovely little nice kind of two centimetre thick line right in the centre of the pancake going from left to right or right to left. Um, and then loads of Nutella, just squiggle over it. And then just grab your pancake from the very edge, like let's say it's six o'clock and then start rolling it forward until it rolls up like a Swiss roll, encompassing all those frere rashes that have melted down into the pancake batter. I can Absolutely feel my fast. arteries clogging just thinking about it, Jack. Oh, it's epic. Absolutely epic. <laughs> like, it's so bougie and lush. It's class. <laughs> I can't wait to go home. <laughs> so, it and I, do you approve or disapprove of all these bottles of stuff now that you can buy in, in the supermarkets? Bottles of pre-made mix. <sighs> like, you're, you're out to get me cancelled today. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, look, no, I can't stand it. I think it's a joke, to be honest. I get people are busy out there in the world, and I'm going to be very open and honest and frank. But I know companies are out there to make money and so on. That's fair play to them. Business is business, and there's bills to pay. But my God, like 200 grams of flour, 200 grams of milk, an egg, and two tablespoons of sugar, whisk it together, and you're done. Like you're, People are adding to the plastic problem that we have in our recycling centers by just buying these bottles of pre-mixed pancake batter when it's just that simple. You know what I mean? And you can go in, you can buy a bag of flour for a euro or two euro. You can buy your sugar for the same price. You can buy your eggs for less and your milk for less. 
and you just have it like the milk and the and the eggs you're going to use them anyway so they're not going to go off and the egg, the sugar and the flour that's fine it'll you can have you can make millions of recipes out of it once you've purchased it so it's just so much better value when you break it down per kilo or per gram of ingredients but also just the plastic waste it's yeah. so frustrating so 200 grams of flour now just go through it again Two, for me 200 grams of flour right. 200 grams of milk right one whole egg and 25 grams of caster sugar, which works out roughly about two tablespoons. Caster the sugar is completely or, or adjustable. Caster sugar or caster. ordinary sugar? Uh, caster is easier because it actually breaks down into the batter quicker. But if you don't have it at home, just use granulated sugar, the same sugar you used to make your tea. Yeah. It'll be fine. Just You just got to whisk a little bit harder just to dissolve the sugar granules. And does the pan need to be very hot? Yeah, so I always preheat my pan on a medium on a medium heat. So if you have an electric hob, I always bring it to about five and leave it sit there for about five to six minutes before I start cooking on it. And that way, once the steel heats up, it becomes almost non-stick. And then I just get a little knob of butter about the size of the, a fingertip and I just pop it in, foam it up, swirl it round, and I pour my ba- pancake batter. And the minute I pour in the batter, I just start swirling the pan instantly just to get that nice even layer. Yeah. And give it a minute and 20 seconds and then flip it. Yeah. And then another minute and you're done. Right, Jack. Enjoy it this evening. I did the your your Ferrero Rocher. You'll be stopping off for a box of them on the way home. I suspect Jack O'Keefe, uh, Ireland AM chef, formerly of Greens here in the city, Corkman through and through, and always good crack. When we bring them on. Enjoy your pancakes, whatever you put in them this evening. Uh, that's us done. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. We we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's ninety-six FM. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.